We don't cast. Last, last. Now everybody go to our breakfast. Uh-oh. You go bow for the result, Nothing to discuss, oh, cause I think when by default and without any doubt, oh, I'm a me, I be a doubt, oh, I no go feed the girl, I no go feed the girl is out, oh, I'm a mind that is hey. I put my life into my job and I know, Come on, family. she manipulate my love, oh, I know holy, and I know that capo, like the baba fry, oh, Shout out to my guy TM, Kim, Reginald, Sophia, you know what I'm saying? Keisha, Donnie, Miss Super Nerd, you know what I mean? Listen, those are the folk who understand that we don't have a mindset of lack. We have a mindset of abundance, right? We have a mindset of abundance. And how do we display that? We display that by sharing, by giving, right? That's that's how we do that. Because we understand that the world is big enough for all of us to eat if we all pour back into each other and we show each other that we want to see each other win. It's important. It's important. And it's critically important. I just wanted to put that out there, man. We just got back from an amazing weekend. An amazing weekend. Brandon, how you feeling this morning, man? You feeling all right? Man, I'm feeling awesome, man. I had the best weekend ever. <laughs> ever, brother. Congratulations again. Congratulations again, bro. I'm glad to witness what I saw this weekend with you and your, your future. 
Um, the value was just, man, look, I can't wait to the next one, brother. We're about to level up. About to level up. That's right. You know, Fine, you sound like somebody that's about to get married. That's what you sound like. <laughs> Congratulations, Brian. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. You know, it, you know, at the end of the day, Ashley, you know, I was really, really thinking about this here topic, right? And I was thinking to myself, not only do um, I know for a fact that we got a lot of people that have just got back from the mastermind, they finna make some big decisions. I was talking to a lot of people, right? And they were talking about, um, you know, some of the ideas that they were getting ready to, uh, um, you know, implement. Some of the things that they wanted to go ahead and add to their repertoire in terms of investments and the investment strategies. Right. And I know that, you know, failure is always one of those things that's kind of lurking around the horizon. Right. And we have to understand how to properly navigate this particular uh, situation effectively right and at the same time get the most out of it right because here's the deal it's not just a matter of if you're gonna fail right it's about how you process that failure how you grow from that failure how to strategically um, um fail in a way to where you can grab every single possible uh, uh amount of uh, information out of that said failure situation. So that's what we're going to be tackling today. So um, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about this here because I know that I know that I know for a fact that um, just as a result of listening in on this particular session, it's going to help somebody, you know, or maybe even give somebody the courage, right, to jump out there and 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 you know and and take take a bet on themselves. Take a massive bet on themselves. So that's what this is about. You know what I'm saying? But uh, listen, my name is Byron, real estate investor out of Houston, Texas, primarily focused on the wholesale space. Also do a little bit of creative finance, fix and flip new construction, new to the build to rent space. And extremely excited about that, learning and growing every single day uh, in that particular arena. And uh, man, I'm excited. I'm excited. Oh, how you feeling, man? You still out there on the beach? What's going on with you? Feeling man? good. Feeling good, man. I'm chilling in the lobby right now, man. What's going on with you? Oh, man, I'm good, man. I can't get away from the spot, man. It's so nice. It's so nice, huh? So, oh, 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 so you, when, when are you getting ready to head out? Today? I, I'm waiting on the taxi right now, actually. Nice. Yeah, man. I might go get me some breakfast before I leave. Get you some breakfast, huh? Mike, Mike will give me some breakfast, man. You got to yeah. take advantage of everything they got. <laughs> I, can, I can dig it. I can dig it. I can dig hey, it. Hey, man. Congrats again. Congrats again. It was, it was a hell of a weekend. Yeah, man. When, when, when you going? you going? When you going to follow? <laughs> Uh-oh. Am I talking too much? I, 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 I heard it. I heard it. <laughs> Uh-oh. Wait a minute. Are you too close? You've been saying it too, too close? Me. Are you too close? Oh, what's going I, had, on? I had to walk away. You had to walk away? <laughs> I'm already knowing, man. I'm already knowing. I seen that boat ride. I seen that boat ride. I said, man, look at them people. They look happy. 
They look happy. Oh yeah. I ain't gonna lie. Cool. I, I ain't gonna lie. I got. I, I, I caught a little feeling, man. Watching y'all on that boat ride situation, man. It could have been a drone shots too. Could have been a drone shots. I don't know. But, uh, oh yeah, that was nice. Yeah, that was. A fun it was nice with the drone. I couldn't do it without him. Yeah. Yes, nice. Indeed. But yeah, anyway, everybody, uh, Neil Parker, real estate investor, entrepreneur, uh, quit a six figure job by leveraging creative real estate, creative real estate, leveraging my credit, leverage my network, and uh, now I'm full time entrepreneur. Just building businesses that really vertically integrated with real estate on a few different businesses. And uh, also knew that I built a rent space. I got a few lots, seven lots, waiting to close on them. And then uh, so we get started with that. And uh, that's me. Dig it. I can dig it. I can dig it. Man, well, we on our way. We on our way, man. Um, you know, shout out to O'Neill for pulling up, even though he on vacation. You know what I'm saying? It, listen, man, it takes a special kind shout of Shout out to O'Neill and Ashley pulling up, even though they on vacation. Oh, Let's Ashley, be you on vacation? About that. <laughs> listen, listen, this is a special group of people. We appreciate that, man. Listen, this is a special group because, man, this level of consistency, despite everything, listen, vacations, birthdays, illnesses, um, traumatic situations, right? We still hear every time, every single day that we are scheduled to be here. And uh, listen, we haven't missed a day of B.O.B. I, I was surprised that, you know, we had to go to the mastermind, right? We had to go to the mastermind on last Thursday. We were flying out and um, O said, look, man, I'm going to, you know, he had his flight set back, right? He got there a little late. And um, but he still was able to make sure that we did B.O.B. at 6 a.m. Central Standard Time. On that Thursday. So, um, ain't missing beat. Ain't missing beat. So, uh, shout out to, um, my guy, oh, shout out to Ashley, uh, for making it happen. And, uh, man, I, I'm just, I'm just grateful, man. I'm grateful to be around such amazing folk, um, that make a way out of no way. Um, they figure out a way to instead of an excuse to not, not to. And uh, those are the characteristics of winners. Just want to be clear on that. And um, it all coincides to what we're going to be dealing with today, right? Which is how do we learn from failure? But before we even get there, um, before we even get there, let me uh, let me go ahead and empty this thing here. I'm setting up my camera right now, y'all. I'm, I'm multitasking right now. But... Um, what I want to do is I want to go ahead and pass this thing over to Dallas because I want to make sure that we really, really, really um, rid the room of anything negative. We need all positive energy, even though we're going to be discussing a lot of um, strategic things associated with failure. Right. Uh, this is going to be one of those um, lessons where you learn the most positive things about failure that, that possible. OK, that's what we're diving into today. So, um, just want to put that out there real quick. But uh, Dallas, you, you feeling all right this morning? You think we can get rid of anything negative and all of the, the negative vibes out of the room? Is that possible or probably not? 
Man, I know that's possible. Um, not beyond a shadow of a doubt, how to successfully learn from failure. Don't run up in this church with guns. Mm. It's just it's, it's that's you go. This is how you succeed. <laughs> this is how you successfully learn. Not you know from failure because that's going it's going to be different. You it's know different. if you run it's going to be different. You run up in here with guns from failure. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I know you've seen the stories. I know. I, I'm thinking you did. I did. Oh, yeah. So we're gonna get on into it, man. Just don't run up in here with no guns in this church. You know the Bob Church don't play that. It's um, yeah. It, it will get real. Good morning. Good morning. And good morning to everybody. Hey, yo, Byron. Let's do it like we always do it about this time, man. Drop that beat for me. Good morning to each and every one of y'all And thank y'all for joining us here On Business Over Breakfast And the No Stingy Energy Podcast You don't want to miss a beat And the way that you do that Is that you join the club How do you do that? You press on that green mansion At the top of your screen So that you can be kept abreast And in the know of all things Business Over Breakfast Y'all know who it is It's your boy Dion Britton A.K.A. at Dallas the Realtor Please follow me there on all of my social media and i will follow you back it is tuesday july 26 2022 get it how you live this is a day that the lord has made and we shall rejoice and be glad in it happy birthday to everybody born in the month of july we're about to start a fire as we just talked about we're about to chop it up this morning y'all about how to successfully learn from failure how to stop bumping your head and moving forward you're gonna learn today hopefully you have your pens and your paper out so that you can take some note some notes make sure you pray for and follow each and every person that's on this digital world stage and i don't know about y'all but when it comes to the bob in these clubhouse streets that that's what it is for me it's the bob for me let's go let's do what we came to do and that's pray Let's talk to the Father and watch Him work. And hey, everybody, remember this. If God don't do nothing else for you, He's already done enough. Let us pray. Today, God, we come today, God, specifically to say thank you. We ask God today that you break the chains and the strongholds that have held us captive. God, we're screaming this morning that you say, peace, be still. We decree that we shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters that shall not be greatly moved today god for every court case that's coming up we're asking that you god please sit with uh, the judge and in the jury box of life and let us testify unto them how we made it over for your word says that we are overcome by the words of our testimony and last but not least oh god today god we are persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, or any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in you, Christ Jesus, our Lord. And it is in the mighty matchless name of our Jesus that, uh, that we pray and the B.O.B. Church shouted out, amen. Y'all have a super califragilistic day in the Lord. And now it is with the extreme pleasure that I introduce my sister from another mister. She hails from South Carolina. She is the founder and thought leader of Phenomenal Women Leading. 
Y'all give it up with a one in the chat for Dr. Ashley V. Wilkerson. <laughs> as she comes with the morning news and greets us as only she can with this right here. Hey, y'all. All on vacation. All on vacation. All on vacation with that. That alarm hit differently. Oh, man, I can only imagine. (laughs) No, we brought the kids to Myrtle Beach. Oh, wow. Yeah, we are fortunate to live in South Carolina with one of the number one beach locations in the country. Myrtle Beach is the number one drive-to beach location in the United States. Got the babies on vacation, huh? Yeah, but if you check out my stories, have you seen my stories on Instagram? I need to go check them out. I'm happy to check them out. (laughs) No, listen to what it says. It says, parents don't really go on vacation. They just take care of their kids in a different city. Yep. (laughs) Wow. I was just about to say that. (laughs) Babysitting elsewhere. Babysitting elsewhere. That's what O say. That's what I think O was extra excited about this particular vacation because it was no kids. It was no kids at this one. Oh yeah, he was excited there because right now I was. Yeah, like, vacation I, ain't vacation. Got the kids, man. And, and Benny saw- told. And listen, Ashley. Benny told me that he said the marriage is completely different after the kids. He said, man, marriage is, is a different oh, species yes. after the kids. True. Yep. Completely different. Completely. You barely remember what it was like ever before. <laughs> you better hold on for dear life to those memories. That might have to be a that might have to be a topic, Byron. That's do I have do topic. we have children now or do we have children later? <laughs> that might have to be a topic. Oh, well, you know, it's a lot of components that factor into that decision. All I'm gonna say is enjoy it if you can before. If you if you can't, that's fine too. Just make ding, sure ding, you ding, 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 make ding, your ding. moments and your time for some alone time because once you factor in, especially for the majority of the people in this group, once you factor in entrepreneurship and kids. <sighs> Kaboom. It's the way y'all said for me and the breathing and all of those things going on. I'm just saying, man, it's the way y'all put them words together. I just listen. Byron said, "Stop it, y'all! I just got engaged. Stop it." (laughs) Wait, I say, wait on the law. Oh man. Listen, we're not gonna do you like that. We're not gonna do you like that. Congratulations, Byron. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. The breaths, man. Them breaths have a lot of honesty. Those breaths, man. Those breaths have a lot of honesty. Listen, kids, you know, I love y'all know I love my kids. Y'all know I'm that mom. Y'all know I'm very active. But when you trying to do it right, listen, it's a lot of work that goes into raising little humans mm. when when you're trying to do it right. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> Cause you can do it wrong, is what yep. you're saying. And and you know. You know, you you can do it wrong. You can but do it wrong. But you're just not a do it wrong type of person. I'm trying my best to do it right. Now, I don't, you know, parenting is one of those things you don't get your report card until your kids are grown. Mm. Yep. 
It's different when you have people. It's different. I made people. You yeah, made you people? made people. I when made people. people. Wow. Did y'all see that reel? I made people and I'm the leader over them. Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> that reel is so funny. Go for it, Byron. Hey, y'all. Listen, I am here. Yeah, Byron. We need nieces and nephews. Go make some people. Oh, man. Actually, Byron has been with his lady entrepreneuring a long time. True that. So true that. they should have a ton of memories. Now we need some kids. True that. Yeah. They've already done the traveling <laughs> and the so on and yeah. so forth. Built Born nest eggs. So it's time. it's time. Yeah, it's time now. We need some kids. I need some nieces. I need some nephews. They baby's kids. They don't die. They multiply. They got to call somebody Auntie Ashley. There yeah. There you go. The things. Uncle D, Uncle D. Oh, that that sounds cute, right? Yeah, yeah. And then we're gonna say, "Oh, those Byron's babies. Look at Byron's babies over there." <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> and then they're gonna be saying, "What's goody? What's goody?" <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Listen, they gonna Let's grow go. up and say, "We on our way, Daddy. We on our way." <laughs> Hilarious. Man. Walking around the house, no stingy energy. <laughs> she won't give me none of her candy. No Why Bam Bam in the chat talking about don't make people? <laughs> don't make people, Byron. Don't make people. <laughs> wow. That is hilarious. Okay, y'all. Hey, y'all. We are back to you live right here on Tuesday, the first B.O.B. day of the week. Every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, you can find us right here on Clubhouse at 6 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're going to get into a topic today, how to successfully learn from failure. But before we do, I have the B.O.B. Morning News. Now, you know, on Tuesdays, it's always a lot of news because a lot goes on. over the course of the weekend all right a lot goes on over the course of the weekend so i have a lot of news uh to share with you all this morning i gotta shout out though my big sis tara just entered into the building and she's the reason byron i'm gonna be in houston texas next weekend she's the reason I'm co-hosting the TPC conference, the Patio Chick conference with her in Houston, Texas next weekend. Y'all make sure y'all tap into Tara to learn more about that. She's the uh, founder of the the Facebook group, the Black Women Who Loves Outdoor Living Spaces with 238,000 members and counting. Make sure you tap in with her or check the post in my stories for more information. But I definitely have to shout her out because she's the reason why I'm pulling up to Byron's home city of Houston, Texas next weekend i'll be in the building burn so i gotta see my blb family or at least some of you but listen this morning i want to let you all know that the world health organization declares monkeypox outbreak a public health emergency with over 2800 probable or confirmed monkeypox cases across 44 states in the United States and globally there are over 16,500 cases reported in 74 countries wow oh man 
so so this thing is growing is what they saying this thing is growing and there is some talk that it could potentially be airborne as well oh man see airborne like why monkeypox got to be airborne i thought it was just one of them things where you know you had to catch it by close close contact Something, something don't sound right, man. Where all this shit coming from? Yeah, what's going on, Milk? I mean, I'm confused. One thing, one thing don't take us out. They got to put another extreme. Yeah. Here we go. Well, Milton, (laughs) to add to that, for the first time in nearly a decade. We now have a confirmed case of polio. Whoa. Wow. In New York. I thought polio died. Man, they got to stop playing in these labs, man. I don't know. You man. think it's something going on, Milk? <laughs> hey, bro. <laughs> you think it's a coincidence? <laughs> All this just, just popping up? A confirmed case of. I thought we had killed off polio. You know you watch all those little cartoons with the evil people behind the scenes trying to just take everybody out. You know, I feel like we living in that world right now. So I don't know, bro. Something that something ain't right, bro. Pinky in the brain. No. Listen, this young gentleman, it's a, a young adult. He started experiencing weakness and paralysis. The county health official said. And it was confirmed that that person was uh, diagnosed with polio. It's the first confirmed case in over a decade in the United States. Uh, so we are now dealing with a new variant of COVID, um, an increased outbreak now in certain parts of the country. We're also dealing with the health emergency of monkeypox and we have a new confirmed diagnosed case of polio. Well, that sucks. We got monkeypox, maybe going airborne. That is a problem. That that right there, I ain't gonna lie. It's something about this monkeypox situation. I I will sit in the I sit down somewhere. I go sit in the house. COVID for some reason didn't scare me as much as this monkeypox situation. But I can tell you right now, milk. Is it because it's visual? Is it it's because visual. Like, yeah, that's why he don't want to look no. like that. He don't want to. No, I want no parts. <laughs> you don't want to look like that. Like COVID, you like man. I mean, you can look like you ain't got COVID, right? You kind of bastard. You understand what I'm saying? Pox. But that monkeypox situation, bro. <laughs> you, you can't hide from that one. No. You can't hide from that one. You can't hide from that one. And to Nicole's point in the chat, the gentleman did not have the monk, the um, polio vaccine in terms of the polio. Well, so, you know. I want to say, I want everybody. Oh, your mic breaking up. Well, you know they say they say it's a thing. Uh, uh, you ever heard that saying, um, Ashley? That if you play stupid games, you win dumb prizes. That's what they say. If you if you play stupid games, you mess around and win a dumbass prize. You know you like to say that quote a lot, actually, Byron. Oh, it's me. <laughs> Look, I'm yeah, yeah, it's, it's you. It's you. <laughs> 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 what are you talking about? You ever heard that quote? Yeah, we heard it from you, I'm Byron. People. 
Damn. You people. You people. <laughs> this is why I wake up on vacation and come. <laughs> you gotta have these moments, Ashley. You gotta have it. Shout out to you. I gotta have Listen, I remember that time I was on vacation in um, Kentucky for Thanksgiving. We were there. And um and I didn't come to BLB that morning. <laughs> Odell was calling me. Where you at? <laughs> we need you. What's going I on? Said, I said, oh, I'm in Kentucky. I'll jump on. I'll jump on. Hilarious. I said, listen, for O'Neal to ring the bat line. Okay. It's a problem. Let yes, me jump indeed. on right now. Now Byron it caught. No, I'm kidding, Byron. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Listen, okay, so over the weekend, the Wall Street Journal reported that Musk, a longtime friend of Google co-founder Sergey Brin, had a brief affair with his wife, Nicole Shanahan, which then um, prompted the speculation that Brin would pull out his, uh, I believe it was 500 let me go back and check that. It was either five hundred thousand or five hundred million. Let me check the investment that he made into Tesla. But he was going to remove it. The speculation came out. However, Elon in a tweet said, "I work crazy hours. There's just isn't much time for shenanigans." So he denied having an affair with the wife of Google's co-founder. Apparently, they're all in a circle of friends. Um, and so this was picked up by several different news outlets, including the Business Insider, who uh, reported a $500,000 investment into Tesla back in 2008. Um, and so apparently the financial advisors of Brin instructed him to sell his investment into Tesla, um, very, uh, Tesla and other businesses of Elon Musk. So we don't know. I'm gonna need Elon and and uh and Nick Cannon to go ahead and do a reality show. I think that'll be great. Well, listen, Elon's dad was also in the news because apparently Elon's dad married Elon's younger stepsister recently. Okay. Wait a minute. Oh, wait, wait. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I need All to right. go back and find that one too. I have to go back and find that that, that news. All right, wait a minute. Wait Thank a minute. you, Byron. All right, so okay, let me get this right. So okay, I got to so go back steps. and find okay. that news source. Ah, uh, okay. I so, saw that over the weekend, and I was like, "What?" Go ahead. Mm. Okay, so oh, he got her pregnant. Somebody is saying in the chat. He uh, okay, the the pregnant. Okay, Steps it's the. Okay. It's the stepsister. It's mm. Elon's stepsister. So it's Elon's mother's uh, older daughter. Oh. When he married, when he married the mom, that's what it is. When he married the mom, the stepsister was really young, and now he has her pregnant. And apparently, he's offering to sell his sperm. I saw in another update of his news oh. of his life, Elon's dad. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, 
what in the weird is going the hell so on? I'm trying to understand. I'm trying to get clarity, Ashley. Okay, so let me go back. I want to go back and read the um, news as is because I'm literally going based on memory. So you don't want to go on vacation mind memory. So let me go back. So Elon Musk, 76-year-old dad, Errol Musk, may be ready to become a father again. Reports recently revealed that Errol welcomed a second child with his stepdaughter. Back in 2019, he's now reportedly telling the son that his sperm is highly sought after by some win in Colombia. Arrow claims a company in South America has asked him for several sperm donations. I've got a company who want me to donate sperm to impregnate high class women, he says. The company reportedly wants his seed because it created the richest man on earth. They say, why go to Elon when they can go to the actual person who created Elon? Errol explains. He explains that the company has not offered him money for his sperm, but has offered him first class flights and five star hotels, among other things. When asked if he would give his sperm away for free, he said, why not? Errol has seven children, just three less than his son, Elon, who has 10. His youngest children are reportedly aged three and five years old he previously stated the only thing we are on earth for is to reproduce so he so it's the tesla sperm for folk people want (laughs) uh to be able to have the opportunity to raise another richest person on earth interesting tesla sperm it's electric it's electric Woogie, woogie, woogie. <laughs> well, uh, listen, this was weird. This was weird. Uh, I don't know. It, it made me feel the way. Uh, you know, uh, we talk monkey pox. We talk Tesla sperm. We talk stepdad, stepdaughter, marriage, babies. Wait a minute. What's going on? Like, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and we didn't even talk about the fact that there was a shooting in the Love Field Airport in Dallas. Supposedly, because of a cheating husband, a lady walked into the airport, went into the restroom, changed her clothes, came out holding a shotgun, and shot several rounds at the ceiling before a nearby officer responded and shot her below the waist then arrested her and she's now being treated at Parkland Hospital yep truth 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 um, it's it's pretty sad because I think what happened was he had flewed somebody out mm. and she said not today God <laughs> not today God okay alright well <laughs> boy we got a lot going on in the world don't we 
Yes, sir. That's just some of it. Mm. <laughs> but that's that's all I will tell you right now. Uh, listen, I want to shout out to the ladies of the Phenomenal Women Leading Community. We have our virtual summer summit this Saturday from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can log on virtually from wherever you are in the world. I will put the link in the chat with the promo code CLUBHOUSE. Make sure you all tap into it. We have some dynamic speakers coming to the ladies this Saturday because it's all about leveling up to the phenomenal next level with the ladies in our community. Passing it back to you, Byron. Man, oh man, oh man. Well, you know, we got a lot to cover today and uh, it's going to be centered around failure and how to successfully learn from failure. Um, And failure is not going to just be an individual thing, but also how do we learn from failure with teams? Um, because a lot of times uh, as we grow, that's the second part of that particular uh, uh, failure dynamic that we have to tackle. Right. How to fail as a team. Right. So uh, we're going to be covering a lot. So just just, you know, if you got your pen and paper, go ahead and get that situated because it's going to be a teaching moment. But at the same time, I want it to be, ne- you know, definitely collaborative. Um, I'm a, I'm still a little thrown off from that monkeypox situation. I ain't going to lie about it, man. I do not need monkeypox to be airborne. I'm just saying. Um, but, yeah, let me get back focused. Let me get back focused. <laughs> I had a moment. I had a moment. Um, you really feel some kind of way about that. I feel a certain update. kind of way. I don't need that to be airborne. See, I don't, you know, I don't need them kind of problems, Ashley. I'm just saying. Um, I know. Yeah, I don't need that. Yeah, I ain't gonna lie to you. I ain't going outside either if it's airborne. I'm gonna sit right here. <laughs> where my, my pretty girls of Alpha Kappa Alpha? We, you know, we not going outside if it's airborne. Let's be clear. But what happened to we outside? We outside. What Who said that? That was What happened to that? I didn't say that. Some ladies say that. We see it all over social media, but they're gonna be indoors right now. Oh, yeah. I'm uh, indoors right now. No, I'm getting Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) But here's the deal. Here's the deal. Um, You know, first of all, failure, right? The reason why this came up is because, listen, we just left a mastermind. Um, We explored a lot of things. Um, I'm pretty sure it's going to be some folk taking some action as a result of this mastermind. Um, And not just the mastermind. I mean, we talk about a lot of great things, even in the wealth community. And it's going to be a lot of people that's going to be trying some stuff. Right. And we have to learn how to strategically uh, um, fail. Right. And how you strategically fail is that you have to approach failure from a certain way and you have to extract certain lessons from that failure. So what are some of the things we want to, you know, definitely avoid? Number one is the blame game, right? So a lot of times, even um, in failure for ourselves, we'll blame ourselves, right? We'll feel sorry for ourselves, right? Which is natural, right? Um, I know a lot of people will get up here and try to uh, say, oh, well, no, you just got to, you know, think positive and, and, and failure is just a learning experience. Sometimes failure sucks, um, and sometimes failure can send you in an emotional, um, 
roller coaster, right? And that's okay, right? Sometimes you have to give yourself that time to feel sorry for yourself and pout for a little while, right? And and, and that way you can kind of process that emotion. You know, we learned that as well over the uh, the mastermind weekend. Sometimes, you know, shit, man, give yourself that time to to feel that feeling, right? Because again, that's natural. Um, but the thing about it is, is how do we extract as much information as we possibly can, right? So number one, we want to make sure that we are avoiding um, the blame game, right? So whenever we're building a team, right, you want to figure out a way to create a culture, create a culture where failure is one of those things where it's, 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 it's accepted, but at the same time, accountability is still high, Right. And that is a very, you know, difficult balancing act for a lot of companies to be able to maintain, right? Having a high level, a high level of accountability, right? A high level of accountability and performance while at the same time having um, uh, an environment that embraces certain levels of failure, okay? Um, So this is critical, this is critical. So um, I want to make sure that we, we understand that. So not all failure, number one, is created equal, right? Especially in a in a team environment, but even, even in an individual environment. And we're going to be diving deep on this. So number one, it's a spectrum of failure, of reasons for failure. And you want to make sure that you kind of fall on one side over the other. Right. So it's, it's, it's critical. So here you, here you go. So you have the, 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 the least or the most blameworthy failure, which is deviance. Right. So an individual chooses to violate a prescribed process or practice. Right. So that's the worst type of failure. OK. Then you have inattention. Right. Where they're not necessarily paying attention to what they need to be doing. Then you have a lack of ability type of failure, right? Where this person hasn't been adequately trained. And then you have a process inadequacy failure, okay? Which is, um, you know, you have process, you have process. That's that's a different type of failure, okay? Uh, where, um, hold on one second here. Hold on one quick second. I got to... Uh All right, well, what's going? On? What's up? What what you got going on, man? What, what's what's going on with you? Come on, let me see. What's what's the process you was talking about? All right, never mind. I think we got. Did we get? What was going on with that, Ashley? You want to break that down so I can understand? listen? I was just gonna go ahead and politely remove them from the room okay, respectfully, but you were nice. I you were nice them. to bring them up. I removed them. Yeah, <laughs> you were you nice. Know, I, I didn't know what was going on. I ain't know if you because I'm, I'm 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 doing two things at one time. So I got confused, but I, I removed them from the room. Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna I was gonna go ahead and just remove him because you know that's not the energy we have in yeah. the bob space. Uh, yeah, respectfully, I was just gonna go ahead with no warning. Just go ahead and you know just, just remove him from the room. Got you, got you. Yeah, I got that's, that's what I was gonna do. Yeah, yeah that's, what I, that's what I text you to just poof. remove them. That's it. That's what I was texting. I was like, "Who is this?" Yeah, poof. Okay, let's go. Yeah, we ain't playing no game. All right, so here's here's the deal. So you have a uh, pro- process inadequacies, okay, which is where you have a failure in your system to be able to identify said failure. Okay, then you have task 
challenge types of failure, okay, where an individual faces a task too difficult to be executed reliably every single time. Okay. Then you have process complexity types of failures where your process is composed of many, many elements uh, that break down when it when it encounters novel interaction. Okay, so these are higher level, higher level failures. Okay, so we want to make sure we, we, you know, we, we, we stand on top of this. Then you have uncertainty. You have uncertainty where it's a lack of clarity about that said particular process then you have hypothesis testing which is the which is higher levels of failure and then you have uh exploratory testing where you're actively experimenting right and creating uh uh these problems right or creating these failures on purpose to try to figure out a way to better um excel in said uh uh failure okay so but all those things listed, um, I kind of want to just kind of break these things down. So it's a difference. So you have every everything. It's arranged all the way from deviance. It's arranged all the way from deviance to actively exploring um, and testing, like almost experimenting uh, for failure. Right. And again, a lot of this is, you know, going from offense to defense style of um, um, running your business, right? You always want to be on offense as actively as possible. Okay, so let's let's talk about it. I guess has anybody experienced any of these in their team? You know what I mean. And shout out to some of the people that just joined. We got my guy, got my guy Quentin in the building, Bumble, Kimberly. You know what I'm saying. Jackie Brilliant, Mines Corey on stage. You know what I'm saying. Miss Super Nerd. You know, listen, I know Miss Amy G is in the building, Victoria. Um, and many, many more. So, so here's the deal. What, what do y'all, what do y'all, what do y'all feel about these things? What do you know from from these different types of failures and how we learn from them? Because we're gonna dive deep. Or has anybody Ooh, they quiet it? on this failure? Yeah, they don't want to yeah. talk about the failure. <laughs> Is that a pain point? I'll start. <laughs> it's Victoria. I have failed in every one of those aspects. <laughs> Uh, and a lot of it is it's the not knowing it's not knowing i didn't know how to do systems i didn't know how to do standard operating procedures and so i had to fall and fail but i had to do it forward because then i got that feedback i could sit back and say okay um where are the holes in the bucket how did this happen how can we prevent this from happening before? I found out something interesting about rocket scientists. Rocket scientists actually find out not what can go right, but they look at everything that can go wrong in a launch, and then they want to create procedures around that failure that could happen. And I think one way to try to Avoid that failure, Byron, is the one that you said when you're like, look at, look at something and see what it can do to fail. And then you can plug in procedures and systems so that you can mitigate that. And then if that doesn't work, then you try something else. I think the important thing is to remain innovative, remain open, uh, put that ego and pride aside and say, yes, this didn't work out. What type of feedback did I get? 
and how can I improve that process? We have to do that all the time. We're constantly changing our processes because things come up. Anytime you're dealing with people, it's like, wow, I didn't see that coming. Now we've got to plug in a process. We've got to plug in a system to avoid that or to mitigate that from happening more. But I have failed in every single one of those. So I am welcoming this conversation and any tips and any ideas anybody else has. But failure is always feedback. And that's what I want to lead you with. Leave you. Thank you, Byron. So tell me this. Anybody ever, um, you know, with your team, right? How many folk are welcoming failure in their team right now? How many folk are welcoming hey, can failure? Me? Yes. I am. Okay. Let's talk about um, it. Oh, Lord. I had to change phones like four times. Um, I blame monkeypox. Uh, good morning, DLB. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. Um, so, um, I will say this before I speak about failing forward with my team. Um, before I got into tech, um, I was terrified of failure because the narrative about being in business is that your failures are never public, but your success should speak to what you've learned. So a lot of business um, podcasts or content probably prior to the pandemic were very much, well, look at me hopping out of my G4 and never really the cost of being a boss and never really the cost of entrepreneurship. So failure was something that was not very clear. Now, I was very lucky that uh, not only was I a witness to failure uh, with my parents being entrepreneurs, but baby, I lost $40,000 in a weekend and had to file for bankruptcy once upon a time. So, uh, (laughs) woo, when I tell you that business cost, failure is real. Um, But getting into tech uh, actually taught me that um, as a leader and as a business uh, innovator, you want to seek failure. Um, because failure teaches you where opportunity exists in the market. Um, and uh, when you work in the design space, you're actually taught to put up the minimum viable product and then allow your consumer or your market to break it as much as possible, because that's where true innovation lies. If you create something that doesn't need to be fixed, that means that somebody else already created it. And now you're just repurposing somebody else's idea. So with my team, the conversation is always, what did you break this week? What did you get called out on? Not because it is an indication of mediocrity, but because it means that you are pushing yourself and you're exploring opportunities to learn, innovate, and improve. And so that's how the positioning has changed for my business partner and I and the people that we work with. We're not seeking perfection. We're consistently seeking progress. And the conversation that we have with our team is, you didn't learn how to run in 24 hours. You fell on your butt at least 75,000 times before you mastered crawling, before you mastered standing, before you waddled holding onto something, before you got comfortable walking, before you became a sprinter. So I need you to get back to the diaper phase and own that. I need you to have the joy and the tenacity and the conviction to allow yourself to consistently fall over and over again until your center of gravity cannot be compromised and until you leverage that center of gravity to propel you forward. So we consistently look for ways that we can fail because if we're doing our job great, that means we're learning nothing, we're innovating nothing, and we're not really creating impact. We're just repurposing and recycling somebody else's genius. So that's how we do it. I love it. So tell me this. How are you? All right. um, I want to hear from someone on how are you 
uh, uh, welcoming failure, right? But at the same time, at the same time, holding high standards, okay? Right? Because it's a thin line between welcoming failure, right? And accountability dropping, right? Standards dropping, um, and us not being compliant or having an atmosphere where no one is held accountable. How are we navigating that particular terrain? I just want to hear from some different folk uh, on their team because you, you you have to welcome, you know, as as, as Supernerd was saying, you're welcoming failure, but at the same time, how do you maintain these standards? Let's talk about it. Um, I'll go. Good morning. Let's talk about it. It's Ruby with Ruby Designs. Um, for me... I think um, I have to look at, even though failures are going to happen, that gives me an area to grow in. Um, so when I see different things not working, whether that be a system or a process, you know, not working, I'm always looking for a solution to solve it and then sending it out to be beta tested. Um, I think from there and getting feedback, um, once it's corrected, keeps me at a standard that I'm at least looking at um, what's working and what's not. I think sometimes we get set in our ways on things that are working that we forget that things can also be improved. Sometimes failure is seeing that um, we're being complacent in some of the things that we've done all the time because we're like oh it keeps working but the market's always changing so you have to you know have new methods and concepts in order to keep up with it so that means beta testing um analyzing data as it's coming in and then um refocusing the solutions that you have so that's kind of how i keep my standard of just always looking at um, better ways to improve and optimize a lot of people feel like they've arrived and I don't want to feel like my company's arrived. I always want to feel like we're always looking at the new methods and the new concepts. Good stuff. Good stuff. So how are we pushing, um, you know, uh, um, um, higher standards, though? You see what I'm saying? So this this is the thing. I still haven't heard this. What what are we putting in place, right, to, to push higher standards, and higher levels of accountability, but at the same time, accepting failure. What do we do? What, how are we recognizing these things? What are we putting in place to kind of manage these things? All right, I'll jump in if that's okay. Absolutely. All right, good morning, everyone. Um, I, I, so I think with the accountability piece that you mentioned, I think it's okay to fail. And, I, and I'll talk about this probably a little bit more later or something. But um, I don't think the problem is failing. I think the problem is quitting. I think too many people quit and call it failure because it's easy to call it failure. But I think if you're still working it out, I think this is why you need not only uh, a team, it's why you need a coach. This is why you need a mentor. This is why you need a community, right? Because I think that's that layer of accountability that doesn't allow you to quit. I think failure is a learning lesson that we all get, right? Like the, the acronym I remember in coach training, the acronym that they gave us that somebody threw out there I thought was powerful was the words for all I've learned. If you take the first letter for all I've learned, it spells the word fail, right? And so the whole idea was have a new look on failure, have a new look on failing or something not working. I think the problem happens when we say I'm a failure versus this thing failed. So if it didn't work, what do we need to do to get it working? It's not that you don't work, it's that it doesn't work. And so I think that layer of accountability where you do have a coach, you do have a mentor, you do have a community, you do have people 
who are creating spaces for you to work that stuff out. Because I don't think any of us got to where we got to because we're, you know, like, you know, it's like baseball, you know, like swinging for the fences is this idea that you're going to come up to the plate and hit a home run every time. No, you're going to strike out. But for every strikeout, are you getting on base? And some people may not ever hit a home run, but you know what? They'll get to first base. They'll get to second base. And that is part of the process of succeeding. And so I just think that if you don't have that accountability, failure or failed opportunities or moments will take you down. It, it'll create analysis by paralysis. It will create imposter syndrome. It will create all these mindset issues because we don't know how to deal with failure. Nobody told us that it was okay to fail, right? Especially, I think, when we come from different types of generations and cultures, you know, failure was not, it's interesting that for my parents, failure was not an option, but all they did was fail. Like, I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't even know how many businesses they tried and never got off the ground. And, but I'll tell you something, they learned some valuable lessons they shared with me. They just didn't take those lessons for themselves. And so I think what ends up happening is that you, I'm not saying that you won't get the lesson or the experience, but you also won't get the reward after, afterwards if you quit because you, you failed at something. So those are my thoughts. Love it. Well, I can tell you this. This is what we implemented in our business. Um, and it's been a game changer. And we got this from the book called Traction, Gino Wigman. Um, and one of the things that we do is we have an issues component to every single meeting that we have in our company. Okay. It's called issues. And in that issues component, it's critical, right? And it's, this is, uh, uh, um, the same thing that I've even learned, even in this article, right? A lot of hospitals do a lot of major high level tech companies implement this strategy as well. Um, for number one, you never really want to put a face on the problem or on on the uh, on the issue, right? It always needs to be focused on the process itself, right, and not not people, right? So we want to focus our energy whenever we're trying to implement new change. Whenever we're trying to identify problems, we want to remove the people aspect of it, the personalized aspect of it. And we want to focus our energy on the process. Okay. So that's critical. Uh, and how we process that is we talk about, we have an issues component and what does the issues component, uh, consist of? It consists of us all coming together and talking about, let's say if, uh, we didn't hit our sales goal for this said week. Okay. Why didn't we hit our sales goal? Yeah. It may be one person that didn't hit their sales goal. Right. But the object is not to to, to, to uh, ostracize the person who did not hit those sales goals. The goal is to speak from a collaborative standpoint as a whole team as to how we can better hit our goals as a team, right? Like where do we drop the ball, right? And what are some things that we can implement, whether that be in training, whether that be in um, 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 better processes, right? And better uh, uh, systems that we can put in place to maybe answer the phone better, transfer, uh, uh, make transfers better, whatever that may be, uh, maybe, uh, overcoming objections better. It may be an overcoming objections training that we need to dive deeper into all of these things and processes are what we want to focus on. Never, ever, ever the people. Okay. So that's number one. That's one of the number one things I felt like has helped our company grow beyond our issues. The next thing you want to do is you want to talk about the issues, 
Okay. You want to talk about the issues. You never want to be in a company where you are sweeping things under the rug, because when you sweep things under the rug, what, what happens a lot of times is that we allow things because we don't want to deal with these things, right? Because sometimes these problems are annoying, right? They, they make us feel inadequate sometimes, even as business owners, when we are constantly chasing the problems and trying to figure out what the problems are, it's, it can be draining, to a certain degree of hearing about your problems and always having to face these things. But I can tell you right now, whenever you're doing that, you're playing offense in your business. That's why it's uncomfortable. Okay. When you're pushing forward, it's not going to be a comfortable feeling, right? But when you're playing defense in your business, when you're playing defense in your business, right? Um, yeah, you may be a little bit more comfortable in the now. You may be comfortable in the now, but a lot of problems are still happening in your business, but they're being swept under the rug and they're not being identified and solved. And that's problematic, right? So you have to face these issues. And um, so we have it every single time we have a meeting, we have an issues component and we allow for folk to be able to add issues uh, in our CRM. We have a special place in our CRM where you can add issues um, anytime, 24 hours a day, and we'll discuss that issue in the meeting. Now, the key to issues is that, number one, it never it, it's never to be personalized. OK, never to be personalized. Um, it has to be business centric. Right. Meaning it's something that is centered on how can we, you know, help this business grow. Um, if it's personal, that needs to be something that goes to HR, some type of admin. And we need to have that as a private conversation. Right. So I just want to make sure that we have some some parameters on issues, because a lot of times people will take issues and turn them into event fest. Uh, uh, and it's not it's not about venting. It's about processes and making our systems as a company better. OK, um, so we talk about issues every single time. So that's one way that we, number one, talk about processes and, and issues in the business. But at the same time, we're working on increasing the standards, increasing the standards. And again, we talked about another thing. It's a spectrum of reasons for failure. Right. And the main thing that you want to make sure is, is that your failure is not centered around deviance, inattention, lack of ability, and process inadequacies, okay? Um, these are the critical ones that, that that can put get you in trouble. Why is that? If it's deviance, then you have a culture issue, okay? You have a culture issue, right? And, and this can be even a personal thing. Like you may be, you know, uh, defined to your own processes um, as a business owner, right? And you may not want to, let's say for instance, if you know, um, you know, I was looking at um, um, my social media over the weekend because I was thinking to myself, like, I think a lot of times where I failed in my social media is I tend to make content for my peers opposed to the people that engage with my content. Okay. Now, now this is a failure that I've identified with because I, I've, I've learned about myself a lot of times when we're making content. Well, me, when I'm making content, I'm trying to impress upon my peers, but um, I've gotten further confirmation over the weekend when I was uh, at the mastermind with Mitt that it's not about it's not about your peers. And it's because a lot of times you trying to impress your peers is about your own ego. OK, it, it's centered around your own ego. Right. Opposed to focusing your content around the people that you're looking to serve. 
right? And maybe I know we got Q in the building. I don't know if Q can probably even give us a little bit more clarity on that. But a lot of times, you know, we do that. And I'm being defiant, being defiant, right? Whether it's it's um, um, actively defiant or just... Um, uh, or, or I didn't even pay attention to myself being, I was inattentive to that defiance. Right. So I want, I want to, I want to dive deeper on that, um, on that content piece and, and recognizing that failure as well. Is Quentin in the building? Hey, yo, Byron, what's going on before Quentin comes? Why don't we just go and get that resetting? Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. We do got to do that. We do got to do that. But I, I want to, um, I want to, I don't want to, I don't want to miss this point here. I don't want to miss this point. Um, uh, it's it's Corian. It's Corian. What's going on? What's going on, Corey? Has you have you ever experienced that particular failure? You probably haven't because you you real good with the content piece. But have you ever uh, noticed people who make content for their peers opposed to um, the audience? Yeah, I've noticed it, um, and it's not something I particularly struggle with, but I do feel like at times, you know. It's the same thing I say about like with clothes. Sometimes I like a design, but the customer doesn't like the design. So if the customer doesn't like the design, that's all that matters. If I like it and they don't, <laughs> I'm not going to sell anything. I think this is the same, it's that same thing for content. A lot of times people are not thinking about the consumer. They're thinking about themselves. How does this make me look good? How does this make me compare against people that I want to be like? How does this make me look amongst my peers? At the end of the day, they're called followers. They're, 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 they're there to follow you and see what you have going on, but they're also there to be entertained, to be educated, to to be uh, you know give knowledge to whatever that may be. So it's extremely important to understand your audience. What is That's what the point of the insights and the analytics are. I have this many male followers, this percentage of female followers. They live in these places. They care about these things. Um, that's why, for me, I always put a call to action at the end of my post like oh what do you think or chime in or what would you do because i want to get to know and understand the mind of the person that's following me so i can serve them to the best of my ability wow wow i hope y'all i hope y'all recognize that man as as the gem that it was um because that's exactly that's exactly what 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 was meant to be said um but yeah um, Dallas, it's on you. We're going to go ahead and get this little, this little, uh, reset in, but I definitely want to get back to this because we got a lot to cover on this failure piece. Um, not just from a personal standpoint, but also from a team aspect as well. And we're going to be talking about some implementation strategies that we can use, um, to mitigate a lot of these failures and also extract the right the correct data from failures, not just from a personal standpoint, but also from a team aspect as well. But Dallas, what's going on? Hey, man, without further ado, there you go. You already dropped the beat. Listen up, y'all. <clears throat> Real quick, go ahead and push on that green mansion at the top of your screen so that you can be kept abreast and in the know of all things business over breakfast. We're here Tuesday through Thursday, 6 a.m. Central Standard Time, and you don't want to miss a beat. We don't have the shares up, and everybody needs to know about this. We're sitting at 69. I need you to press that square where the arrow is pointing upward so that you can share the room, share it in the clubhouse hallways, and I also need you to share it on all of your socials. That way, we can get the word out. So right now, get the shares up. I'm passing it over to my sister from another Mr. Dr. Ashley V. Wilkerson. And she's coming with the second portion of the Business Over Breakfast News and greet us just like this. Hey, y'all. 
y'all. Good morning, good morning, good morning to you. Where is Byron with my what's, what's goody? goody? <laughs> <laughs> y'all hilarious, man. <laughs> Listen, I'm here with just a few updates for you for the second part of the BLB Morning News because we definitely want to get back to... This conversation is getting really good. want to let you know that Disney Plus now has R-rated movies. It's a part of their content strategy shift. So for the parents in the building, make sure you're monitoring the uh, content available on Disney Plus if you don't want your children to have access to R-rated movies. Also... Wakanda Forever. The trailer is out. Listen, it is a whole tear jerker, you guys. Mm. I'm ready. Uh, I don't know about you, you all, but I'm it? ready. I'm looking forward to Wakanda Forever. I'm waiting to see, you know, how they honor Chadwick Boseman because I remember, uh, you all remember the Fast and uh, Furious series when they honored um, him when he passed away in the car accident. So I'm waiting to see how they honor Chadwick. I already know it's going to be a tearjerker. I already know to take some tissues. Um, Angela Bassett is as powerful as she ever is. So yeah. tap into it. Tap into it. Tap into it. That's all I'm going to say about that. Listen, there's a um, there's a uh, outcry right now about mental health and Starbucks is known for being America's public restroom. For those of you who don't know, Starbucks for years have maintained that their facilities is open to the public. Anyone can come in and use the restroom at any time. But now uh, CEO Howard Schultz has said that the company may no longer be able to do that as a result of growing mental health problems that possess a threat to the staff and customers. And as a result, they are now uh, calling for federal government to prioritize public bathroom access. Wow, um, that sucks. Um, yeah, you know it's 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 funny. Um, I just I just hate to hear that, man. It just seems like we we do have this mental health issue that is being unchecked. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's you know on one end mental health, if it's on the other end entitlement. You know, um, I don't know. I'm still confused on this, man. You know, um, <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen with this. But listen, can you imagine um, working as a waitress and getting a $3,000 tip on a $13 bill? Wow. Wow. It was no mistake. Go. They wrote it out too. Three thousand dollar tip, three thousand and thirteen dollars and twenty five cent total. That'd be a blessing. That's one of them tell the Lord thank you moments, Dallas. <laughs> Today, God. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes. You know what's funny though? What's that? I bet it I bet it felt just as good for the person giving it away. Absolutely. 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 I know it did. So listen, I don't want to delay the conversation any longer. Gonna get back uh to this topic. But I will say, uh, one of the things that's important with building community, and that's what I consider social media to be. So going back to your question, your your sentiment, Byron, about your social media uh, content, I feel like building your social media platform to me is like building a community. So if you're focused in on building a community, which is the same practice that I use in my franchise for eight years, I owned, for those of you who don't know, I owned and operated a franchise. Uh, our franchise was represented on Shark Tank. Um, our CEO did a deal with Mr. Wonderful, Kevin O'Leary. And my franchise was a top performing franchise in the nation. And during that eight year period, just like I do with social media, I build community. And so when building community, I seek to understand what their needs are, what they're looking for. Um, and I use that to de- inform the decision-making process of what's being offered, what's being offered in terms of a, a service, what's being offered in terms of a reward, uh, what's being offered in terms of content, because that's what they're going to gravitate to the most. That's what they're going to engage with. That's what they're going to be impacted by. Um, And so you can do different polls. Uh, Sometimes I put a poll in my stories on uh, Instagram or Facebook and say, you know, what do you want to see more of? Do you want to see more inspiration? Do you want to see more motherhood? Do you want to see more X, Y, Z? And I let them answer in the poll. And that's what I provide. I do the same thing with the community. What type of conversations do you want to hear in our clubhouse rooms? Uh, You know, send me your suggestions or complete this quick survey. And then that's the content that we create. Um, on social media and on Clubhouse. And then within the business, you know, I asked them, I kind of do the uh, Publix model. The Publix method has this thing where you don't only talk about what went wrong, which we do that. We talk about what goes wrong so we can improve upon it, learn from it and develop a new procedure if needed as a result of it. But we also talk about what goes well. And so when customers take time to call a um, employee out by name on, you know, Google review or Facebook review or whatever, then we take the time to celebrate that. And we say, you know, we read the comments that the customer left in the review. And if the customer talked about how the staff member made them feel, or if the customer talks about how the staff member treated their family with, you know, respect or great service, or if the customer talked about how the staff member went above and beyond doing X, Y, Z, then we make sure we lift those sentiments and we share exactly what the customer enjoyed so that we can duplicate that across the board in the business. And then we celebrate those wins. You know, we give them, um, you know, a complimentary lunch 
you know, it can be something like a $10 Chick-fil-A gift card, but they're appreciative of that $10 Chick-fil-A gift card. Another thing that we do is we, uh, when we do our onboarding process, we find out little things that our staff members like. And then later on, you don't have to wonder what to get them or you don't have to just buy them something just for the sake of buying something. You can buy them something that they've already indicated they enjoy and that will reward them more than you just giving them something randomly. So those are a couple of things that I do in my leadership style and with business and community and social media uh, to make sure that I'm reaching the people that I'm seeking to reach pass it back to you i love it love it love it you know that kind of reminds me of toyota's toyota has a process that they call toyota production systems um where they actually do something similar they actually reward people for finding and detecting these different um, problems um and you know at the end of the day the key is the key to all of this is trying to figure out how do you how do you welcome problems increase uh increase the levels of accountability and increase your standards right in which you operate your business right so you want to welcome problems but increase the standards and increase uh, uh the accountability right that's what we're talking about and what strategies we put in place to be able to do that right and again i'm gonna cover the spectrum um, a failure, right? Of the reasons for failure, right? You have deviance, right? Where people are just actively defined, kind of similar to what we were talking about earlier with the social media thing. You know that your 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 customer base or your your um, not just customer base, but your uh, the most of, of the people that that look at what your you know consume your content um, are not necessarily your peers. So you have to make content center around. Um, the audience and not necessarily your peers. Uh, inattention, okay? Inattention is when you're just not actively engaged in that particular said uh, activity. Then you have lack of ability, right? You have process inadequacies. You have task challenge. You have process complexity, right? Then you have uncertainty where you're, you're not really fully sure as to what needs to be done uh, in this particular process. Then you have hypothesis testing, testing, and then you have exploratory testing where you're actively experimenting on things that work or don't work, right? Um, and this is where you want to be. You want to be on that particular spectrum of learning and growing a business, um, hypothesis testing, exploratory testing, and those kind of things. Even uncertainty is good because you're pushing the needle opposed to being defiant, right? And opposed to having inattention and just having drones on the team, right? And the way you get those kind of drones is if you are not welcoming issues, right? Number one, you're not welcoming people to be able to feel open enough to come and share these particular problems that they're dealing with on a team or uh, personally, right? You want to have an environment where this is welcome. Okay. So that's first and foremost, but at the same time, you want to increase the standards. So how do you do that? Let's talk about it. Anybody have any strategies that they implement on their team, right? To Push those standards higher, right? But then at the same time, uh, uh, increase the environment where people can share their issues. Hey, Byron, what's up? It's David. How are you, man? Let's talk about it, David. Uh, man, love the conversation. I've been on a bike listening for the last 30 minutes. But, you know, I think one of the... what 
I'm trying to say it the right way. So one of the things that I, I, I do is I help salespeople get uncomfortable and get outside of their comfort zones and do things that, you know, could be perceived as failure. And I think somebody said earlier, you really haven't failed unless you've given up. So, you know, one of the things that I, I do is I challenge people to do things that are uncomfortable and regard, it does, the result doesn't matter. What matters is the getting uncomfortable and doing something that expands your comfort zone a little bit. And it, it creates breakthroughs for people. You know, we and, you know, the people I work with are calling people they don't know. They're, you know, reaching out to people they don't know. They just, they're just doing, they're talking to people in line, things like that, that will help them expand and, and get more comfortable doing that stuff that's ultimately going to help them in their journey. But I, I mean, here, here's an example. About, um, about a year ago, I was in, I was in a, a room on the Breakfast with Champions, and Seth Godin was the speaker. And Seth and I, I've had a podcast for 2016, and Seth has always been one of my dream guests. So Seth was the speaker, and after he gave his talk, they opened it up for questions. So I said, hey, Seth, it's Dave Hill and hey man, I've got a podcast and you, you, you know, you've been on my vision board, which is true. He's been on my vision board as, as one of my dream guests. I'm like, Hey man, you've been on my vision board. Would you, man, what do I need to do to get you on my podcast? And he says, yeah, buddy, I'm just not a fan of the Hail Mary. And the whole room was silent. I was, there was like 600 people in the room. I was just like, Oh, I was like, okay, bud, I'll, I'll check. I'll check back with you. Right. And I meant it. And, you know, people were messaging me like, oh, man, sorry about I'm like, you don't have to be sorry about that. Don't be sorry about that. I you be sorry. I'd be sorry if I hadn't have asked Brian, Brian, that's that's what I'd be sorry for if I hadn't have asked. So I felt good. Like, hey, you know what? I didn't get exactly what I wanted, but at least I asked for it. You know, so I didn't fail. I don't consider that a failure. I consider that a win. You know, and I think that's the message that I want to put out there for people. Go for it. Don't worry about like something, you know, people are too worried about, oh my gosh, well, what if I get rejected or what if this or, oh my gosh, if they say no. No, that's not what it's about. It's about expanding, getting out there, enjoying life, living. So anyway, I, I, I just wanted to share that. I know it's a little bit of a different twist to the conversation, but I hope that helps some people because that, that's about living life, man. So appreciate you in this room and this conversation this morning. I love I, want, I wanted to add one thing I do is, um, this is Ruby again. I also do a QA, which is quality assurance. Um, and what I do with that is I just make sure before like a website goes live, we're looking to see that the, um, the procedures are right. We're doing testing on software, um, making sure that things are lining up. Um, we're seeing it on the front end and the back end. And when I put that quality insurance, we're also auditing, making sure buttons and URLs, making sure it's properly indexed, making sure they're found on all of, you know, search engines and things like that. We're making sure that um, notifications are on um, and then there's a way that people are able to communicate so I think that was one of the biggest things that I implemented in my business was making sure I had a quality assurance plan that's it love it love it love it so you know I would love to hear um, you know some, some you know I know we got Los in the building a couple other folk in the building what are you guys doing to um, to you know to, to push 
your team outside of their comfort zone, similar to what David was talking about. What are some of those things you're doing to to push the boundaries of the team, but at the same time, right, for experimentation, but at the same time, um, hold people accountable. I'm still trying to I'm still trying to hear this. Anybody want to jump in? Yeah, I'll jump. I'll jump in real quick. Um, oh, uh, one thing. One thing that I do uh, with my guys uh, is to get them out there. Um, uh, is I have them go to the you know to the meetups and to the real estate investors associations and uh, and and rep the, and rep the company uh, to spread the brand. So um, I do that just because you know that's one thing that uh, at the car dealerships not a lot of people did. But um, the general manager, I posed it to the general manager to say, hey, let me let me take a, a hybrid to a car show once a month. And, um, you know, and surely enough, he let me do it. Let me take some signs out there, a car. But that presented a brand. I think it might cut out. And every time every time I would come back from that uh, that car show with that car and those signs, I would bring back customers and I would increase the brand. So I have. I have our guys do the same exact thing. And then, of course, I reward them whenever they, you know, whenever they're helping increase the brand. So um, I think that's an, I think that's important to get the team out there, uh, out there in the field. OK, I also pay for training for my guys as well. Like not just I go in front of them and train, but I actually I pay for them to get sales training. You know, um, I pay for them to, to travel with me whenever I'm getting training. Um, not you know not on everyone, but I definitely you know pay for them to go with me to get training at least twice out of the year, um, and then they they actually feel a part of the you know they actually feel like a part of the mission, you know part of the vision, um, and believe it or not, whenever people feel a part, not like not like you know uh, they're making all of the money for the company and whatnot, uh, whenever they can actually feel a part of what you got going on. Uh, let me give an example. So we're having a meeting. Um, we was having a meeting yesterday and I'm just reiterating the company's goals, you know, reiterating the company's vision and why we're doing it. And I'm aligning it with the with their uh, with their goals that they told me during their interviews that they wanted for their life. And uh, and just making sure you stay connected that way as well. I love that. I love that. So um, I want to pivot. OK, um, that was some good stuff. I want to talk about analyzing failure. OK, analyzing failure. What are we doing to analyze failure properly? OK, um, so anybody care to share if, if you do have a situation where you have uncovered the issues. Right. What are we doing to specifically extract the most amount of data from this particular failure, right? And prevent the failure from happening in the future, either as a person, right? Again, because a lot of folks are getting ready to take some big risk, right? Um, um, This week, next month, right? And we need to go into this thing with the proper mindset, with the proper mindset and understanding failure. So what are some of the things that we need to do to analyze failure properly, right? And be able to pivot from that failure profit properly. Um, I want, I want to pass it around to anybody who want to speak. Um, open, it's an open floor. So go ahead and jump in. Hey, Byron, this is Michael brother. I'll, I'll jump in. Let's talk about Thank it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, this is a great topic because we just talked about this in 2019. I brought a guy in, 
uh, we were doing about 50 grand a month. I brought in a guy to scale us. I had a, a, a an event um, and he just, we lost about a half a million dollars. And obviously when you do that, you have to pivot. So what I did is, is I, I'm a reader. Um, I reread the book boundaries, uh, that I read when I was, when I, when I started being successful and I went back to setting up those boundaries and making sure that they were non-negotiable. That was from the, the time that we spent on certain tasks to the people that we hired, to the people's setting their goals and being consistent and intentional with them. And then, to be honest with you, um, now that's 5 x because now we have systems in place. We have a platform set up. Um, we're, we're growing globally. We have uh, VAs in different things that I think that's super important when you're doing that. I think your mic is cutting out. And I think somebody got a hot mic, too. I don't know what happened. Man, that was good, too. But why, before, why we give him a second to see if his mic comes back? For the book lovers in the room, such as myself, we've already received two book suggestions today. Things one and you're from, having success, and everybody's not on the same page. He's back. That's back. what makes the difference. And I always say this, Byron, the difference between the wisdom and the knowledge that you learn when things like this happen is the action that you take in a positive direction that changes it. So thanks for letting me speak, brother. You, you got cut off for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. So if you could rewind it a little bit. And also I want to go back to, you say you lost that 500,000, right? What can you give us half, yeah. half a million? Yeah. 500,000. So what are some of the specific things that you learn from that, 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 that exchange? Right. And also, um, um, what did you specifically put in place, if you don't mind us asking, from a policy standpoint, to mitigate that from happening in the future? Yeah, that's 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 good. My wife was calling. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, oh, that's all good. I, um, I I'll be honest with you. I I um, this might be a little bit different than what you're probably normally used to hearing, but I actually, um, as a man of God, I ha- I had to restructure. A lot of things. I had to structure the time that I spent with my team and my wife. I had because I brought my wife. My wife retired from nursing, and I brought her in to work uh, in some areas where she wasn't comfortable. So what I learned from is I, I I dived into a mastermind with Dr. John C. Maxwell, who I think is the greatest leadership development coach in the world. And he said, "What did you do to be successful?" I said, "I set boundaries." And if you didn't hear that, I think that's when it broke up, Byron. I went back to reading a book that called Boundaries by Dr. Cloud and Dr. Townsend. And if you read the book, it, the title of the book is When to Say Yes and When to Say No. And um, I'm very diligent about now saying, knowing when to say yes and knowing just when to say no. Because a lot of times I would say yes to things that got us outside of those boundaries. And this person that I brought in did not have that same uh, thought process. It was just fly by the seat of your pants. He was hiring people and I lost control. What I did is I took back a control of what I could take control of. And one of the things I think that was the biggest piece for me, Byron, is, is um, I was my mentor. You got to have a mentor and you got to have people that hold you accountable. I thought about this. My mentor told me, what is being accountable? And he said, being accountable is someone holding you accountable for your abilities. 
what I did is I stopped being involved in the finances. I stopped, you know, looking at crossing my T's and dotting my I's. I allowed myself to get into the momentum of things going too fast. And I let my wife down. I let my team down. I let God down and I let myself down. And when I started to gain those boundaries back and I started putting people around me that would hold me accountable, not just accountable a little bit, but people who would tell me what I needed to hear, not always what I wanted to hear. And I think that that's what's most important because if you don't have somebody that's stern in your corner that says, hey, man, this is getting a little bit out of here, out of control here. You need to tone this back in. So what I did is I set boundaries. I became super intentional, but I became super consistent. And now our team is all on the same, same page. Um, I don't know about a lot of people, but it was really hard to find good help during the pandemic. We finally started to fast and pray and we found great help. And now we're maintaining those boundaries, not just in our business, Byron, but in our health, in our in our finances, in our in our walk with God, in our marriage, and really in our family, and I think that that's what's most. And I'll land with this, Byron. I think I I also read a book called Uncommon Leadership by Ben Newman, and Ben said this. He said, "How you do one thing in your life is how you'll do everything in your life." Thanks for letting me speak, brother. I appreciate you a ton. Tell, tell me this real quick because I like where we're going with this. Tell me this. Do you think that? Um, you first of all, I want I want to hear some about some of those processes that you put in place in, in order to systematize this. And also, do you think that it was your consistency, right? Your your dedication to consistency um, that changed the culture of your business. And what were some of the processes? How did that look? Uh, how did that manifest itself in your business? If you don't mind me asking. No, a hundred percent. I would say it was number one, how I, and it's funny that you brought this up. I'll probably, I'm going to not be emotional, but I just wrote a post for this for my team to put on different platforms today about how I've became consistent showing up better, not just as a man of God, but as a better husband, um, as a better teammate. I, 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 I call my people that work with me, I call them teammates. I don't call them employees. I call them uh, people that get to, and they get to benefit in what we do. They, they get to go through the programs that we have. They get to be involved. Like next week, I have a big teaching that they're all going to be involved in. It's a three-day event. They're all, it's a virtual event. They're all going to be involved. And then they're going to have responsibilities of coming back to us in our Monday meeting and telling us everything that they learned and then the action steps. And one thing I think I mentioned this before, Byron, that I think has been, which will take us to seven figures and beyond in multiple seven figures, is being able to have those boundaries set up, like like knowing the goals that we have and, and, and being able, like my accountant said, he's like, what happened to you? And I said, obviously he knew I lost a half a million dollars. He said, well, what changed? He I said, how I start my morning, how I communicate how consistent I am, but how intentional I am. I don't let things distract me. Like even my wife and I are going on a trip for nine days to Croatia. I've set up things that I know what's going to happen while I'm gone. I'm just not going to leave and and leave everything up to somebody else. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I was super intentional. I'm, I'm actually a month away from that and I'm already preparing. I think I learned this, Byron. This is the last thing I'll say. I learned this from Brendan Bouchard when he spoke at John C. Maxwell's mastermind. He said, when you have loss and failure, the only thing that keeps you there is if you don't change the processes looking forward at what's going to happen 
five weeks, 10 weeks, 12 weeks down the line. If you're consistent and intentional, you'll know those things and you'll be five steps ahead of your competitors. And I think that that's what changed for me the most. Wow. I love it. I love it. Wow. Anybody else care to share on what are some of the things that they put in place to analyze failure? Right. Whether it be from a personal standpoint or from a team standpoint, what are we putting in place to analyze failure and 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 move forward from failure um, um, as a result of that? Anybody want to talk about that? Hey, Byron, it's Natasha. Great conversation um, today, because a lot of times and I'm guilty of this myself, um, that when I've uh, failed at something. I think your I think your signal is out, Victoria. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. I hear we you. can hear you, okay. Natasha. I think I, I think her signal. Hey, yeah. hey, sir, Natasha. She can't hear us. She's in a matrix. Byron, will you mute Victoria for a second? Yeah, I did. But for me, it was um, that when I when I look at the, the things that I failed at. Sorry, Victoria. I think you're in the matrix. You're in the matrix, Victoria. Oh, yeah. Okay. But yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, uh, Natasha. I'm sorry. Is, is that I didn't? Uh, I'm one of these type people. I, I used to be like, oh, this is going to work well, and I would just jump and I would just go into full execution mode. And when things didn't go uh, as well, you know, of course, I would have allowed that to just. You know, caused me to get just really stuck and stagnant and be afraid to uh, to pursue it again. But what I had to learn from that is, Natasha, you have to learn to pause. There is power in the uh, in the ability to just pause and then to assess to see how prepared are you uh, to pursue that. Does it align with your purpose, your values? Just because it worked over there for that person doesn't mean it's going to necessarily work for you. But be willing to pause. And uh, and I I read this book called uh, Necessary Endings. It's one of my favorites because, you know, we would jump to do doing things when we need to really prune because you may not be mentally prepared, have that mental agility that you need to, um, you know, when you come up, come up, come across those hurdles or those things that's not going to go well. Are you really mentally prepared to handle that? Is your life set up for you to or for me to even um, prepare to take that risk? But sometimes I didn't even move and I missed so many opportunities. And I consider those to be failures when people have presented me with some great opportunities that turn into missed opportunities because I was afraid and I looked at what I had failed at before. So I had to learn to just really pause, to really assess to make sure that I had everything um, in order to even pursue that. And, and, and that was a turning point for me in my life. And at this, I guess for the, the past couple of years when I've done, I've been doing so well in my business, but I think it was because I, I've learned to strategize first before just jumping out there. Because when you jump out there trying to do things without understanding what you're getting into, understanding how prepared you are to pursue that, that opportunity to take my business to the next level, because you have to ask yourself, do you have the ability to scale 
what you're currently doing? Do you have the bandwidth? Do you have that capacity? Because when you do it, you run the risk of doing bad business with other people. So, uh, and I failed at some things and that's because I just did not take the time to just pause before I jumped, uh, before I jumped out there. So that's just my tidbit. It's not all deep, but pausing for me has been the game changer. Um, when I look back on things that I failed at. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. So what are we putting in place? Let's 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 talk about it. What are we putting in place to analyze those failures, right? And grow from those failures. How are we um as a team or as an individual learning and growing from these failures from a from a strategic standpoint in terms of in extracting the data? Let's talk about it. Anybody can jump in. Hey, Byron. Uh I'll jump in again. Um, so in tech, we have something called a retro or retroactive, which is very similar to the issue strategy that you have in your team meetings. Um, it is an assessment of either a project, an incident, um, a training. You can do a retro about anything. Um, and basically what the process is, which is very similar to what you do in issues, is it, uh, it does not name individuals. It does not even name teams unless it is in the context of um, addressing the timeline. So the first step is to review the timeline. The second step is to do a group assessment that basically looks at what went extremely well, what went well, what was standard, what didn't go well, and basically what was a critical failure. And then the next step is to jump into solutions. So how are solutions going to be implemented to, be, to to better address this project incident or situation? And then the step after that is assigning tasks and responsibilities. Usually there's a two-week turnaround for somebody to come back uh, with an update, depending on what they were assigned, whether that's just, I got in touch with this person, and this is the proposal, this is how much it's going to cost, or this is what I propose based on my research. Um, and so retros are something that I encourage my team to do. We do them monthly, but also something that I encourage my clients who I consult with to do. Um, retros are also a project management and a process improvement philosophy. So usually the purpose of retros is you go into a retro with the intention and the focus to be a student of the experience and then to extract as much learning as possible and to come out with standards of excellence for the team or the participants in a retro, um, regardless of who participated in the incident or issue. Um, and that is something that I introduced to my team. They had never done it before. They were really confused. And then after the first couple of retros, they started asking for retros for things that had nothing to do with what we considered standard business operations. So they wanted to do a retro on a training that they had done. They wanted to do a retro on um, a mentorship structure that we had. They wanted to do a retro on something that they learned. So you can also introduce retros as a way of bringing in new information to the team that they may not be familiar with. Um, and in that process, for example, the book that we just covered, you could do a book retro. So everybody reads the book, you go through the timeline of the book, so you assess the chapters, you then assess what went well in the book and what was a critical failure, and then what is the learning that's going to be extracted from it. So retros are something that I encourage every business to do um, and have it like actually as part of your training and development and leadership and development process. 
um, because it also allows your team members to start being uh, non-judgmental critical thinkers. They start to evaluate things based on facts, based on instances, and very much based on this is what happened, this is what could have gone well, and then this is how we build the solutions, and then this is how I'm accountable to delivering those solutions. So that's something that I encourage every business to do. Awesome stuff. So tell me this, Ms. Subiner, are you, um, is this a collaborative, um, um, is this a collaborative exercise or is this something that you guys just kind of do where it's kind of like top down? So it's collaborative. So a retro can, usually the way that a retro works is that you have the person who led the project, not necessarily my business partner and I, it could be anybody on the team, it could be a contractor, and then you have a facilitator. The point of the facilitator is to act as a non-biased mediator who not only makes sure that people stay on topic and manage the time, but who also drives accountability within the conversation. So every retro has a different uh, stakeholder or a different um, owner, and then they have a different facilitator. So every every person in the team has the opportunity, or every person on the project has the opportunity to either facilitate a retro, which actually teaches them how to position and pitch, um, as well as manage conversations, or they get to basically be the subject matter expert within the retro. And usually when you're the owner within a retro, um, you basically contribute context. So you don't defend, but if somebody asks a question about, so um, why did this happen? Then in the retro, uh, basically the owner will basically give more context about timeline, about mitigating factors. Um, the facilita facilitator is literally there to remind people we don't call out names. If you're going to discuss a team, then it can be in a negative context. So you have to basically say, I was working with billing, for example, um, and billing provided this information. It's not these idiots of billing send me the wrong shit. So now we can't do our job. It's this is what happened. This is the conversation that we had. So the facilitator is responsible for keeping the neutrality of a retro. Um, and then usually what we do, which doesn't necessarily happen in larger organizations, is if there are emotions behind it, so frustrations were raised to leadership during the situation, then we basically have event sessions. Still can't name any person, and you're allowed to say how you felt about uh, the situation, but our default is facts are not feelings. So first we address the facts, we build the solutions, and then we're going to go ahead and honor your feelings because you're human beings and you're allowed to feel things. But basically, anybody can be a facilitator or an owner. So it really just depends on the project, the client, or the incident that happened. Awesome. So tell me this. Anybody on stage right now have ever heard of issues or retros similar to that? And anybody have anything like that in their particular business right now? Or if you've never heard of it and you've never done anything similar to this, because we literally have issues every single meeting. Every meeting, we have an issues component where we dedicate a specific uh, set time to talk about any issues that may be going on in the business, okay? And what we've learned from it and how can we grow from it. Anybody here has either never heard of that, right? That that concept uh, or are using something similar to that and care to share about how are they using it to extract and analyze uh, uh, any data from failures that they may be having in their business or process. I never even heard of a retro. Oh, and, and um, I think it's, you know, maybe I'm the only one in the world or in the room, but it would really be good if we, well, if when that's spoken of, if people would at least, it, it can't be, it can't be that I'm the only one. So it shouldn't, <clears throat> 
you know, this may be a type of room that people know what a retro is, but I just can't be the only one. Nah, you, 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 nah you're not the so only retro, one. Retro, retro, retro. Like, it's Kool-Aid. And, that, and that's not me being, being, you know, foul or anything. I'm just saying when you're in a room speaking with people, if, if it's that common, then okay. I'm, I'm, I'm out of bounds. But come on. What is a retro? What is it even? Let's talk about it. So, so, so- I think I'll, I'll address it since I brought it up. Um, the reason why I walked uh, people through the process of a retro is because I acknowledge that every business owner is not familiar with the concept. If they've never been exposed to agile training, as somebody mentioned in the chat, um, if they've never worked with an agile project manager or a process improvement specialist, then they will not be familiar with what a retro is. Um, and that's why I walked folks through the process of what a retro is. And I kind of explained what each one of those steps was. And I think that's why Byron asked the question about if anybody is not familiar with it, um, and who can facilitate it or who leads a retro in terms of like the collaborative nature is it leadership down or can any member of the team participate? Um, and so the reason, um, why I shared the retro process is because it is not one that is familiar for most business owners. It is not one that is taught in most business schools. Usually retros, um, in terms of agile project management are introduced only if you're specifically in the project management space and that is your educational focus or if you work in a corporate organization that introduces retro, but it is not a familiar concept for everybody, but it is one that I think that all business owners, regardless of the scale of their business, should leverage for their benefit because billion dollar corporations are using this in order to, to innovate and pivot and scale and small to medium sized businesses or startups have no idea that this is how these big corporations are being very intentional about not only proactively preparing for success through risk analysis, but also ensuring that they are learning from the lessons of failure through retroactives. So I just wanted to clarify that. The reason why I shared this is because most business owners don't know. It's why I encourage my clients to go ahead and start implementing it into their business and is why rooms like this exist so that if a business owner is not familiar with the concept, then they have access to that information and they can start to inquire and look deeper into those opportunities because the purpose of the room is to figure out how we grow and fail forward successfully you know and at the end of the day i'm pretty sure it's very similar right um would you say that it's kind of similar to what i was talking about when it comes to issues um absolutely absolutely yeah, or so SWOT analysis or, or anything yeah, of that nature yeah so usually SWOT is is proactive risk analysis so that's what you're doing in advance of implementing or launching something um retros are usually you're, it, it's situational. So you're reacting to something that has already happened um, or something that you've been exposed to. But at, uh, as I mentioned, when I first brought it up to you, Byron, it is very similar. So when you mentioned issues and you're kind of discussing and you're kind of speaking about the nuances and the structure of it, I was like, oh my goodness, he's talking about a retro, but he does his weekly and his isn't necessarily focused on like a specific incident. So the difference between what your team does and what a retro is, is that your team kind of uh, does... Um, what I call a super sprint, which is we're innovating consistently as we're going forward. Whereas a retro is usually um, either quarterly, it can be um, monthly, it can be biweekly, but it is very like situation specific. And in some cases, leadership will trigger a retro if they notice that there is deviant behavior, like you mentioned before. So people aren't turning in documentation, people are not clocking in on time, whatever the case may be. Um, in some cases, it may be proactively um 
related to retro. So like we're assessing whether or not the development opportunities we're providing to our employees are actually initiating the changes that we're looking for. So you could have a retro with HR and talent development and say, you guys did these four trainings. This is the performance changes. This is how productive we are. These are the profitability analysis. Let's take a look at what went well and what didn't, and then start to assess where the opportunities to improve recruitment are, the opportunities to improve talent development are, the opportunities to improve retention are, and then that way your HR and talent development team can then go ahead and implement that to grow your company. So retros don't necessarily have to be just client-facing situations. It's any aspect of the operations of your business. They're usually a little bit more intentional because there's a build that happens before a retro, but issues are pretty much the same thing. What you do right now is basically a retro, but you just do it weekly. Gotcha. Well, I would say this, I would say this, you know, um, and I do, yeah, and I do think it's similar, but also the best issues, the reason why we do ours daily, right. Um, is, is very intentional, right. We're very intentional because it's great as a company, right. Whenever you're looking at analyzing data to focus on the problem, right. The problem that has already occurred. But what's even better, what's even better, in my opinion, is to focus on the problem before it even gets there. Right. And this is the reason why issues daily in our company is so important. Well, because we get to see, okay, this could be an issue. And what can we do before this becomes a major issue? Okay. Again, it's about playing offense in your business at from a strategic standpoint. So what does that look like? So we'll see an issue. We'll talk about it. And if it's something that we see that is going to be an issue moving forward, we'll document it, right? We'll put an SOP in place as a result of this being an issue. And and we'll go ahead and make sure that everybody either signs off on this thing before it becomes a a further issue, right? Um, Or we'll just make sure that we're consistently talking about it if it's not something that is something that we see as being a, a recurring theme. Okay, but again, it's about playing offense on these particular problems. This is how businesses get better. If you're not having some type of issues component or retros component or SWOT analysis to every single major failure, every single major failure, you're already behind the eight ball. Right. Your company is not operating at at the most efficient that it could possibly be. Okay, Um, so putting these things in place before they become a problem is the key. But anybody else care to share any other systems that they have in place or not have in place, right? And what have they, uh, 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 have they even gained anything? I want to go back to the guy who said he never heard of the retro, right? What, what did you gain anything from what she said? Or was that something that you, you know, that, that you've never, you know, you still kind of like in, in limbo on? Um, especially for like for me, I had a completely different way to determine what success and failure looks like and then how I handled it. So I think both of those things are, are, are super needed in anyone's business, no matter what you do, because of the process. And I love the idea of stopping an issue before it happens, because it's a lot easier to fix it when, you know, energy is still great. People are not blaming, pointing fingers. It's just it's easier. And then on the opposite end, if it does happen to get to that point, having a system in place to get you back on track is amazing uh, to as a CEO. So I think that both of those things are extremely powerful and I was taking notes so that I could utilize those in my business as well. Absolutely. Um, when everybody's talking about it, like mitigation strategies, 
you're asking yourself, like, what is the worst that can happen in our business? Uh, what is the risk to our business and how prepared are we to respond? And whatever those top risks are, that is what you want to shore up. And like you said, with your SOPs, with constant training, with going to educate, with educational uh, conferences and things of that nature. So their vulnerability assessment. So it's not being reactive, it's being proactive. And so you're mitigating the top risk, whether it's through your organization internally or what other organizations from the news that you've seen that has happened in other companies. Okay. That's happened to them. Let's mitigate that for us. So these are the, this is the worst that could happen. This is the risk to my organization. And then this is uh, how prepare and you multiply those, those three and you take the, I mean, when you multiply the probability, the risk times the, your preparedness level, and then you take the top five that has those highest numbers. And that is what you show up in your business too. So that's what I'm hearing a lot of when she was speaking in comments is mitigation strategies. I wanted to, um, I wanted to address what the, what the guy had asked if I understood now. And yeah, I'm, I'm aware of a, um, what a, a, prog- a progress improvement tool is. It's just the colloquial uh, sense of the term uh, retro. It kind of threw me in. And also, when we're in a room speaking with a lot of people, just for me, I thought it would be appropriate to speak up and let everybody know that I wasn't familiar with the term. And when it was thrown around so much, I'm sure a lot of people are, but there are a lot of people who aren't. In fact, I was just kind of corresponding with a couple of people who said, I didn't know either, so thanks for speaking up about it. It's just important. You know, I'm a coder and I don't throw out terms like MX and ML and uh, integers and different programs that I write with, you know, when I'm speaking about getting an app. Right. You know, it's just important. And I'm not trying to be, uh, you know, I'm not trying to be anything except just gently trying to remind people that when we're speaking about certain things, you know, on a certain topic about a certain type of thing, that, that there are others who really want knowledge and it helps when we speak more in the terms that they may understand or be mindful of it. That's all. So I hope it comes off that way and not malicious. Thanks. I get it. I get it. I, I, yeah, I totally get it. Um, I understand. And I don't, I don't think you came from a negative place at all because at the end of the day, if we ain't learning, if we ain't learning or if we even speaking over people's heads that, you know, we, we not, we may not be learning. Right. So that's that's critical um, for us to be able to be on the same page, because at the end of the day, this whole room is about us growing and learning, period. Um, And I think that's 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 the whole goal. Um, But, yeah, let's keep let's keep the party going. So we talk. This is Kimberly King. I'd love to weigh in. Jump in, jump in. in. Well, I think the, the note you just ended on. And actually, the title of the room is about learning. And so if we start with what's. What's the intention of all this conversation? Um, you know, another term that was used for a long time is to become a learning organization. Now, some people thought that meant you were an educational company. And actually, that's a cultural comment. That is, instead of there being fear-based or only goal-based, it's about constant improvement and learning. And if that's what everybody believes we're doing together, they have a completely different attitude about assessing what happened today or yesterday and where we're going. And that's actually how you make it comfortable for people to 
be transparent, to embrace the coaching and the learning, and to want to lean into the numbers, not hide from them. And all of that's important if you actually want that to become uh, uh, a system that runs well together and likes to evolve and actually is rewarded for thinking that way. I think there's a, a saying that if you're not assessing, you're guessing. So embracing assessing, again, is not catching somebody wrong. It's uh, learning uh, in real time, applying new knowledge in real time, and getting better and better and better. Even the way you say that feels differently versus who did what badly. And um, uh, whether you call it retro and that's, you know, that's short for retroactive, and that's an internal term and an agile term. Um, whether you call it a weekly review or a daily review. In the film industry, we look at dailies. And in um, fast-paced sales organization, you look at dailies. Corporations look at quarters and monthlies. It's depending on the size of your machine. But the uh, there are definitely things called failure analysis and which would be scary if you don't have a learning culture. But the entire purpose of a failure analysis is to make that a, a, a systems review, not a personal attack. The purpose of it defined as an investigation to determine what were the causes of the failure and to take corrective action to change it tomorrow and to mitigate any further failures. That can become embraced. Again, I think the key is depersonalized. You manage systems, you coach people, and you look for root causes, and you let everybody benefit from learning about those root causes. And then if there's personal training or personal habits, then you, you take those to the side um, and you deal with them. Meanwhile, everybody's goal is to make the business better and to learn together. That is a good team, and that is a strong, resilient business. Thanks. Real, real quick, I want to go back. Um, so what are some of the reasons why we avoid um, dealing with issues or, 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 or seeking to uncover issues in our business? Anybody care to share their reason why they're not you know, utilizing some type of issues component or retro or SWOT analysis or anything like that on a consistent basis in their business. Anybody care to be vulnerable today and share on that? I will, Byron. This is Colleen. How you doing this morning? How you doing? Let's talk about it. Oh, man, I got to be honest. I have um, messed up and I and I realized this this past few weeks. I have not um, used the proper systems I should have to track my KPIs. And I actually got Ashley, um, Ash Johnson on a meeting to kind of get my butt together. And she did. And yesterday I had a problem in my business. And everybody knows I love my virtual assistants. I treat them like friends. And that's a problem, right? They, they do very well. But sometimes when you're too lax, people will take that and kind of run with it and do their own thing. So yesterday, it was, it was definitely a challenge for me. 
was going through some personal things and I realized my employees had not completed a task that I asked them to do two months ago. And it looked really bad. Like one of our one of our good VIP buyers was asking us to help him sell his property. Long story short, they were supposed to um, get a realtor in place for this particular property. They never did. And I realized that yesterday. And normally I'm, I'm their best friend, but I kind of snapped a little bit. I think some, well, first of all, I made the mistake of not keeping better KPIs. I'm, I'm correct in that mistake. Uh, but when I kind of laid into them a little bit and I, and I don't like to do that, this is only the second time I've ever done that. And I let them know this is ridiculous. This should have been done. Um, within one hour, they had a realtor for the property. And I was like, oh, well, great job on that. But why did I have to, you know, go to a 10 to get some kind of result? Um, so I just, I'm, I'm working on my mistakes. Uh, and actually, I wanted to mention this week, one hour of every day, they'll be watching Wealth Community videos uh, for training because there's things we need to touch up on. Um, but I, I guess I'll just land here. Just sometimes, you know, it's good to treat your employees well, um, but don't forget this is a business, right? You cannot be so lax that things are falling behind or mistakes are being made. You got to be that leader. Sometimes you got to you got to be um, outspoken and very clear about what you want and just staying on top of things. Um, but that's it. I'll land. Thank you, Byron. So tell me this, uh, Colleen. I love that share. What are you, what did you put in place? Right. Now, you know, you have a problem, you know, you have a particular problem. Did you, um, put anything in place from a system standpoint, or did you document anything in that process to, to make sure that that didn't happen again? Oh, yeah. So the podio, um, the task, I was always very intimidated with that CRM. And I would, I'm just not a tech savvy person, but I realized like, <laughs> I have to be, I have to keep track of everything, these tasks. Um, so just putting that in place and, and putting that like, this is the task for this person. It needs to be completed. And me actually checking it every day to see where we're at. Love it, love it. Can I add something, Byron? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me let me add this in here real quick. This is another thing we do too. We'll go ahead and put that little that little bitty uh, issue right on paper, right? As you know, this is an issue, right? This is what we do when we fix it, and we put up a little. It's kind of like a little policy update. We'll write it out on a little Google form, just that small issue, not nothing too elaborate, and we'll just go ahead and have everybody in the company sign that. We'll send it out as a. Um, as a um, as a you know a, a, a docusign or something like that, have everybody sign off on it so everybody is on the same page. That we know that this was a mistake, this is a systems failure, and this should never happen again, right? And we need to have an escalation policy in place to 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 challenge if if this does happen. If this does happen, this is what happens as a result of it. Um, those are some good things to kind of put in place so people know that hey. Again, we're welcoming, again, we're welcoming the uh, the problems, right? We're welcoming the failure, right? But at the same time, we're looking to increase the accountability and increase the efficiency at the same time. But yeah, go ahead and jump in. Who, who wants to jump in? It was Ruby. Ruby, yeah. Hello. 
Um, for me, um, I didn't like writing things down. Um, I actually like certain systems. I like automations. So I, I implemented things like ClickUp. At first I did Trillo, um, but I really love ClickUp because I was able to put um, automations on top of that. So then instead of me having to check it every day, I'm able to set up um uh, deadlines and due dates, um, priority escalations happen inside of there. So just implementing um, a different type of software to manage um, those things. And then at the end of projects, I'm also auditing um, where there was um, something that didn't meet a timeline. So if something was supposed to be done at the beginning, um, I'm always trying to figure out what happened. A lot of the times it's like an admin situation. So that's where I'm looking at my automations using things things like Zapier to say, okay, if I didn't send that email, then it means it's not in a workflow. So what workflow is that? So once I identify what the workflow needed to be like, I was able to find this system that works with it. Um, for me, I am a systems person. So I really love looking at different ways to automate those things. Um, so ClickUp has been like a lifesaver versus trying to write it down. Cause after a while you have tons and tons of tasks. Um, and then you can also assign them. So I'm not having, let's say you have have an organization of 10, 15, 20 people, that's a lot of assigning. But if I know that this person is part of the IT team, this person is part of the onboarding process, this person's part of emails by VAs, they automatically are added with the automations in ClickUp. So for me, um, writing down just was just not, you know, feasible. And then the last thing that I did to kind of just, um, make sure that I'm putting that protocol in place is having that sign off and retraining on the new process. So if I develop a new workflow, I walk it through um, my copywriter, I walk it through my VA. So then they understand what I'm doing, even if they don't have their hands involved in it. If they see something that they either got an error or a message to let me know, but then I also made sure I found systems that alert me of things that's going on versus because your eyes can't be everywhere in your business. Business. But if you have the right software, it can really show you what's going on. Um, and the last thing I would say on the client side, a lot of people have, they're not like me in my company, but I need them to deliver things on time. So having reminders set up for them, um, having a protocol and a checkpoint for them, like, hey, are you getting overwhelmed? Is it too much for your website? Um, those conversations give them a chance to say, you know what, I am overwhelmed. I, I wanted to get my, my products to you. So having that conversation and having that meeting, giving them a chance to tell me well, where they need extra help at, that also gave me a chance to see, okay, I need something more in place to, to help them get through that checkpoint um, and move on to the next task as the client, even though they're not part of the internal part of the business, because you also have to manage those clients at the same time. Wow. Love it. Love it. Love it. This is, this is valuable. I hope everybody is understanding how powerful, you know, learning these, these different systematic approaches to team growth, right. And development, right. And also, you know, just understanding, listen, we're playing, we're trying to figure out better ways to play offense, to play offense as we're building out our team and we're learning from our failures, Right. How we're extracting the good pieces of data. Right. From these specific failures. And I would say um, now I want to move on to like the highest form of of growth whenever it comes to uh, learning from failures. And that's experimentation. OK. Um, you want to experiment 
with these particular failures, right? Now, of course, it's levels to experimentation. You don't want to necessarily be in a space to where you're you're uh, allocating a tremendous amount of your resources to experimentation, but it is a component where you want to start tweaking different things. Again, we're playing offense. We're playing offense in our business. We don't want to be playing defense. A lot of us, a lot of us, including myself, have found myself in situations where we're playing defense. We're reacting to problems instead of seeking out ways to mitigate problems before they come or putting systems in place to mitigate problems uh, uh, before they even happen. Okay, this is offense minded business strategies. Okay, and this is how we Honestly, this is how we win and stay uh, stay winning, okay? Because if you're not, what happens is a lot of times in business cycles, we'll find ourselves doing the same old, same old, right? Until we hit a slump, right? And then when we hit a slump, we'll decide to start playing offense on our business and start figuring stuff out. No, we want to be consistently figuring stuff out as we go, consistently, right? That way we never even have to hit that slump in order to um, start recognizing, hey, wait a minute, I need to start figuring out some problems for this particular issue and that particular issue, um, um, you know, as an emergency. Instead, I'm already uh, dealing with that before it even get here. But experimentation is the next piece. Um, and what's so what's so important about experimentation, right, is that let's say, for instance, um, if and somebody mentioned it earlier, we may want to uh, add a different product to our product line, right? Um, but we need to test it, right? We need to test it. Or we may want to test a different marketing strategy, right? Or we may want to 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 try a new uh, uh, thing to our sales process, right? How are we doing that in our businesses? What does that look like? Um, and who's, who's actually experimenting with different things before it becomes an issue? Or um, trying things to see how it fails, why it's failing, right? What are you doing to do these different things from an experimentation standpoint? Anybody care to share? Or is anybody even doing that? Yeah, yeah. if I can hop in on that little piece, if I can. Yeah, let's jump in, Coach. So one of the things about experimentation, you don't have to be the first one to do or be the experimentee. Uh, one of the things y'all often hear me talk about is a market feasibility study. Uh, using the Pareto principle to adapt root cause analysis. You can study what other companies have done in your same industry and see how feasible it is what you're about to do in your market has already been accomplished. And you can almost, you can Google and pull down some people's SOPs and cut and paste what they've done and even their root cause analysis, their outcomes, and see what they've already done based on what you're about to do and let their failures be part of your success story. Now, you're going to hit some bumps and bruises because everybody's policies have to adapt to what you're doing. Uh, but but one of those, I mean, it's it's okay to do it from, from off, the, off the rip. We can get out of the mud, all that is, is great. But you go, you're about to make mistakes somebody else has, has made. So learn from their failures so that your failures can be, I won't say different, but based on your own expertise. But at least you got some kind of mentorship out the gate. Uh, and I'm, I'm real big on that Pareto principle because it's like 80% of the work is done by the department by 20% of the people. 80% of the errors are, are done by 20% of the machinery. So you don't have to always do it on your own. But the system that you put in place, again, based on industry standard, based on what everybody else has done already, you implement that into your system. Now, you can be way more efficient out the gate, and it helps you fail better 
and fail less often, but you can fail very accurately. It's almost, you can almost predict, yeah, if this happens, okay, boom. Now, there's some, there will be some things that we're going to hear. I'm going through it right now, honestly. There were holes in my system that I didn't notice were happening until I had somebody else audit my internal systems. So they came in kind of third party, looked it over, and like, dang, I didn't notice this wasn't even there. And it seemed us a whole lot of time. So I just wanted to throw that out there to y'all. Make sure you're doing a market study, what's feasible for you, and what other companies have done in your own market that you can adapt into your own systems and build those systems out in your business plan so at least you can project what you're about to do and that'll make it easier for you. So thank you, Byron. That was absolutely genius. That, listen, hold on, wait a minute. Listen, that was genius. Um, you know, we're constantly taking um, different courses, right? We're learning from um, different thing, uh, different people. Now, here's the key, though. What I'm realizing, right, is it's not about, let's say, for instance, you'll go and you'll learn um, a real estate course, right? Or you'll learn how to, um, 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 like, let's let's say, learn from, you know, you'll take a, a real estate course, right? But it's not just about that, right? It's about finding out um, other things. Like, you may want to in, in, uh, increase uh, or improve your sales process, okay? You may want to improve your customer service, right? Um, so what we've been doing is we've been taking like courses specifically on certain things. So we do a sales objection course, right? Uh, where we're just talking about sales objections, right? And, and, and that specific expertise. That's why it's so genius what coach said. Sometimes you just take little micro courses, um, that may not be these major courses on real estate, but it may just be a specific sales course. It may be customer service course, right? On, or it may be something on, um, 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 I don't know, uh, it could be anything. I'm just throwing some stuff out there at this point. Um, but I'm just saying, like, it's not just about taking the, the 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 generalized course on your business, but those little micro things as well and implementing those things into your business, those failures, because now you're learning from somebody who's already tried this stuff over and over again. Right. They've already failed at this thing and figured out what not to do. Right. So why even try and reinvent the wheel? Right. So now you're taking a you're still experimenting. Right. You're still experimenting, but you're taking experimentation that has already been tried and tested. Opposed to just trying to figure this out on your own. That is absolutely genius. Right. So if you're having issues with supply chain, you're having issues with overcoming objections, you're having issues with talking to sellers or talking to buyers or talking to whoever it may be. Maybe start looking into taking some specific courses just on that. Right. Um, can you break down, uh, any resources that you may use coach, uh, to, to do those kind of things? Like if you're looking to grow in those specific areas in your business and sure up those specific, uh, processes in your business. Uh, guys, that's a broad one. I, I'll say this. If you want to pull down, um, if you want to pull down, I'm at my daughter's school, so I can't talk to her. Uh, so you're doing senior day today, uh, so walking through this whole thing. I would say you can pull down other companies' SWOT analysis. You can listen to publicly traded companies' uh, training calls that they have. Like if you have a supply chain issue, you can go to that company that a, that's a monster in supply chain. And even score, okay, let me go there. 
you can get a score mentor in the area that you're having an issue in. And that school mentor, they're free. If you go to them and say, hey, how did you do this in the company that you were working with? Before? What systems did y'all have in place? What training courses? What, what audio files? What YouTube links? Whatever. And they'll give you a massive amount. I've even had to give me flash drive with just tons of information that I can implement into my own systems, right? So go to the, again, do a 5 y analysis on what you're doing wrong first, what's going on first. And at that 5 y analysis, that 5 y root cause analysis will tell you what your cause really is. And then Google what companies are efficient at that, what, what companies have systems in place that are efficient at the area that you're having, having an issue in. And you can pull down that training and you can bring that adapt that training to you, training manuals and then train your staff on the root cause of why it happened in the first place based on what another company has already done. I do this all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. And that's part of a market feasibility study. You can even Google that yourself too. Whatever industry you're in, whatever you're doing, Google market feasibility study for that. And it'll, you'll get more PDFs, hundreds of pages of data, videos, etc on how they made that particular piece feasible. From a management perspective, from a mechanical perspective, from a profitability perspective, whatever root cause you're having, and you're gonna make sure that's feasible for you. That's what I would say do. It's such a broad question, great question though, but to make it more niche down for everybody here, that's what I would do, that's what I've done. Um, and when we train clients, the same thing I have them do on, on purpose. It is a little stringent and it is a little tedious, but I'd rather do the work on the front end instead of doing the back end because you're wasting time and you, you, you waste a lot of time because once you hit the error, you got to fix the error. Now you're losing time and money trying to fix the problem where you could have been proactive from the get-go, if that makes sense. Wow. Wow. Listen, um, this is valuable. Man, this is valuable. I know, I know, here's the deal. Um, I know that, listen, we uh, the last week we talked a lot about leadership, right? This week we're talking about extracting, extracting valuable information from failures, okay, on your team, right? And not running from the failure, playing offense with the failure before the failure even get there by talking about issues, doing retro, retros um, um, that, that Super Nerd was talking about. Um, and, and, and listen, let's not get caught up in the names, right? We're talking about SWOT analysis. We're talking about, um, 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 I don't even know. It's, a, it's many other tools out there. Uh, we use issues. We got that from the book called Traction by Gino Wickman. If anybody wants to um, uh, learn more about issues specifically, I can promise you that these things will help your business grow. OK, I can promise you without a shadow of a doubt that these things will allow you to become a lot more efficient um, as, as a business person. It will also allow your team to be engaged in what they're doing. They'll understand the why behind what they're doing. They'll be they'll they'll um, they won't just operate as drones in your company that just kind of follow orders and don't necessarily uh, operate with their brain. OK, and again, all of these things we're talking about. All of these things we're talking about are geared around leadership, effective leadership, right? Um, and, and it's critical. Another thing, another thing that's really important, right? How we speak, how we speak, how we command authority. Um, that's another thing that's critically important. I know that uh, Benny is one of our own. Um, and again, we like to make sure that we're supporting our folk. I know that Benny is doing a challenge on speaking. Um, this is another thing. Listen, we're talking about taking on some big challenges, right? We're talking about, um, 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 you know, taking some big risk. A lot of us are getting ready to take some big risks this month, this year, um, this week. Um, and 
Listen, all of these skill sets are going to be vitally important. Right. Learning how to understand failure from a very objective place. Right. And and looking at it, everything that we can extract from it. Right. Being a great, a great and effective leader. Right. Um, learning how to speak in a way that that um, that translates well to a team. All of these are the skill sets that we're going to be needing in order to. Um, to grow as entrepreneurs, there's just no way around it. There's really no way around hey, it. Hey, Byron. Yeah, yeah, Can I add just one more thing? Yeah, absolutely. Just real quick. Okay, so uh, real life example. I'm at my daughter's school now. Yes, yeah, you're doing senior day. When I leave here, I'm going to the Houston procurement breakfast. Uh, do, how to do business with Harris County in Houston, Texas. There's going to be more city council members, chamber members, CEOs of companies. And you know what I'm going to be asking them? One, how can I do business with y'all? But two, how do you do what you do? How does this work? What systems y'all have? Y'all use SAP or this, use Oracle or that. And they'd be like, yeah, and they'll dump it all on you. So those real world free events that y'all can go to, especially within your own city, one, you gain traction and viability because they know who you are and they see you more consistently. But when you can learn from top CEOs in your own backyard, that stuff I'm gonna learn today, you won't find it nowhere on social. You can Google this stuff, but the real world expertise behind that, never underestimate Chamber of Commerce and your local procurement department meetings. They're free and you can tap in with CEOs that are right there in your backyard. So just, just want to add that in there, man. That's 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 awesome right there for everybody. Hey, Byron, I'll share one more. Thing. I'll share one more thing on what coach said. Um, I had the privilege back in January to sit down with Jim quick and have lunch with him. If you all don't know who Jim is, Jim works with the CEOs of Google and Apple and Facebook, everything. And he said, here's the difference of the things that you've heard on Byron's stage today. He said, when you're taking a course or you're at a conference or you're doing a retro or you're doing any of these things, he said, you have to be a note taker. He said, but here's what you have to do when you're doing this. You, you take notes and you draw a line down the middle of the paper on the right side you take you write down action steps that you're going to take from the things that you learn. What coach just said, I wrote down the notes and I wrote down an action step and I was actually looking up some chamber meetings that I can go to so because certain actions that we take lead to the results that we want to get. So I just wanted to throw that in. I'm grateful that you brought that up and asked that question. Absolutely. Absolutely. Shout out to my guy Anthony Glenn in the building. Um, you know, here's the deal. Here's the deal. How we communicate um, with our team is critically important. OK, it's critically important. Um, and how we um, lead our teams, how we learn from failure, how we create an environment where we are, again, welcoming, welcoming failure. OK, welcoming failure, but at the same time, increasing accountability. Right. And increasing our standards. That is the conundrum of a lot of uh, uh, business leaders. OK, because, you know, either you're going to a lot of us either going to fall on the we increase accountability. We're pushing uh, for, for for higher standards. But at the same time, we're diminishing in uh, uh, um, growth in, in terms of when it comes to uh, learning from failure. Right. And people are afraid to announce those different failures. Right. Uh, and all of those different things. Or we're in inviting the failure. Right. But we're not. And, you know, at the same time, maintaining accountability and increasing our standards. 
These things have to happen at the same time, right? And our ability to communicate that, right, and put systems in place that that help us do that is critical. So one of the major things that I want everybody to take away from this uh, discussion is this, right? The way that we, do, the way that I've learned that this works the best, right? And I've worked in in not only management of my company, but also I've I've run an entire hospital as well. And what I've seen works is okay. You, in order to, first of all, you have to welcome the failures. How do you welcome the failures? You want people to be in a, an environment where we can collaborate and we can talk about these failures openly without personal attacks and personal blame. Okay. So you want to create that environment in your company. Okay. That's number one. Now, number two is you always, always, if it's a critical failure in the business, if it's a critical failure in the business, then what you want to do is you want to make sure that you document that process. You want to document that process and have everybody sign off on it. Right. You want to have everybody sign off on that. And also you want to have everybody collaborate on why this is an issue and why it shouldn't happen again. Okay, so you want to have that issues component and you also want to make sure everybody is signing off on it. And then to top it off, you want to make sure you have an escalation policy in place. Right. That if anybody violates. Right. Whether it be from deviance, whether it be from inattention or whatever it may be, that it's a, it's a, it's a consequence associated with violating this new knowledge that we just learned. That's cool. Barry, you, you cooking this morning, man. You know, that accountability is my jam. Good morning, brother. I definitely want to jump in and add to that for for the conversation of the room. Here's the reason why. OK, when people are when you're doing any type of business, People need to know what their responsibility is in writing. And then they, and then when you make a mistake and you document it, there's something called an after-action report or an incident report, to Byron's point. When people, when you analyze and you have a case study of something that happened in the business, then and everybody's aware of it, hey, today we're going to study this situation. This uh, this situation happened in the company. Okay, and this is how do you think that we should have solved it? This is how we solved it. We want to make sure this doesn't happen again. Everybody signed this piece of paper. Now moving forward, you shouldn't have the same mistakes. And here's an, another example to Byron's point as well. So when people know what their what their responsibilities are and they know the the the, the mission, which is the day to day activities to support the vision, and when you do have incidences, you need to stop the stop operations and then identify the issue address the issue and remove the issue and then that way you don't make the same mistakes here's an example if you're doing a big event right and you do the event people are going to mess shit up it's just natural after that event if you plan to do the event again you should have bring everybody in that was involved and then see who did what so you can make sure that same situation runs more efficient the next time. You can't make the same mistakes. So it's good that you're talking about documentation of a situation and having everybody sign it because that's called accountability. And, and I, I, I thoroughly am into that. And you have to remove situations from the business that are not, you know, that's not worth it. Like you have to analyze your business also and see where the money is going. And I think this is a big thing that a lot of people don't do. Like what's the purpose of having 10,000 or 50,000 followers on Instagram or Facebook or whatever if you're not monetizing that? 
you get what I'm saying? So you, you have to make sure that your objective, your, your objectives are meeting, are you're able to turn that into, into money. Absolutely. And shout out to Portia Bell in the building. <laughs> I'm trolling. I'm trolling. I know, I know. Good morning, y'all. Good morning. <laughs> listen, here's the deal. I know that, um, listen, I know that we talk a lot about, um, we talked a lot about failure today. We talked a lot about, um, you know, failure mitigation. How do we extract the data from the failure? How do we successfully learn from failure? Right. Um, last week we talked about leadership, um, in terms of, you know, building a business with systems and different things of that nature. Um, but here's the deal. This is another piece where we don't talk a lot about, but it is, it is vitally important. And that is, that is effective communication, effective communication. Um, many people in the audience, right? Uh, we talk all the time here on, on, on Clubhouse and we've learned over time as business leaders how to effectively communicate, how to get what we want out of people, right? How to, how to effectively persuade people to do the things that we want them to do, right? And demand and command the most out of our teams, right? Because it's an art to this shit. Right. This ain't just like no, you know, no automatic people just don't do what you say um, because um, because you're cool. Right. It's an art to influencing people and persuading others to do what you want them to do. OK. And effective communication is is a vital piece of that. Right. And um, I want to shout out Benny real quick. Benny, are you with us right now? Yes, sir. I'm right here. I know that you have this challenge going on, right? Uh, where you're going to be doing, um, talking about speaking. Um, do you, can you give us a little bit of information about why people should be tapping into the link at the top and what this challenge is all about in terms of effective communication? Um, why is that important? And what will people gain as a result of that? Yeah, no, thank you so much, Byron. And you know, I, what, what Anthony Glenn said before, um, just as he was ending, he mentioned the word monetize. And, and so this challenge is called monetize your message. And, you know, here's the thing, you know, when I put this challenge together, um, just for folks in the room, I've been, I've been a speaker for 26 years. Uh, at the age of 19, uh, I grabbed the microphone and it was a, it was a powerful moment. I remember being in, in New York and sharing, uh, my story at, at 19. And of course, my stories evolved at being 45. Shout out to myself. Yesterday was my birthday. I'm going to shout me out. Don't worry. Um, and so, <laughs> you know, you know, we, I've been sharing, you know, since I was 19 years old. And, you know, in the beginning, I had this powerful story. And a lot of it was really centered around this topic, right? When we talk about being an effective leader, being an effective communicator, when we talk about public speaking, when we talk about how to monetize our message, you know, a lot of this comes from you as the communicator, right? Think about, think about what communication is. It's real simple. Number one, you have a, a sender. Number two, you have a message. And number three, you have a recipient. And so when we have messages and we have stories, you know, we communicate this also to our teams. We communicate this to, and I love what, what coach, uh, what coach was talking about before he's about to go have some conversations with some people. And what he's doing is he's bringing a plethora and a, a, a wealth of stories and knowledges and experiences. Right. And so why this challenge is so important for people and why I put this challenge together 
but it was because I wanted to walk people through. And here's the thing that I was hearing and seeing the most is that people don't fear public speaking. They just fear the public speaking. Okay. They don't have a problem talking. What they have a problem with is what other people are going to say. And so I, I just wonder how many people are in this room, Byron, right now that are listening at the sound of my voice, that if they, if they, if they have a powerful story. And again, I would love to know if, if you're in this room right now and you got a powerful story, you have a message to share in the chat. Just do me a favor. Just go ahead and just drop a one. I just want to see how many people in this room, you know, you got a powerful story. You know, you have a message to share. You know, it's connected to your business. You know, it's connected to your opportunity, to your stages, to helping to monetize. If that is you, go ahead and drop a one in the chat. And I'm going to, you're going to watch how many people in this room have powerful stories and they've been thinking about it. They've been praying about it. They've been sitting on it also, and they haven't been standing on it. There's one thing to stand in your story. It's another thing to stand on your story. And so, you know, it's important when we talk, when I put this challenge together was I wanted to get with folks and who were serious about this. And I'm going to tell you something. This is so important because if it wasn't for my failure of my story of failure, there's no way I would be where I'm at today. You know, in 2019, in 2019, I got on stage, it's on YouTube. Um, and I did a talk called shame on me. And I talked about my failure and it was in that moment, Byron, where I realized I was challenged that day. I, I remember getting on that stage and feeling this fear, but I also felt this relief because I was connected to my message and I was connected to my story. And for many of us that are in this room, you want to be an effective leader, but guess what? There's no transparency in you because you're not being, you're not being transparent. You're not being vulnerable. You're not allowing your story. Now, but now, mind you, this is an art form because I know some people, when they get talking about their stories and messages, they get really messy, right? And like, like a lot of us have really, really hard stories. And so I have found a way as a speaker for almost 26 years, as a certified professional coach to help people walk through this. And so I've, I did, I've done that before many times. I'm doing it now. I'm helping, you know, I've been brought in on projects to work with Google executives uh, global. And what we're doing is we're helping people tell their DEI stories. We're helping them talk about what does it look like to be a Latino? What does it look like to be a Caucasian? What does it look like to be a, a, a black, you know, a, a, you know, someone who is successful and dealing with these challenges here at Google? And so, you know, I've been fortunate enough to, to look at the landscape of both leadership because my background is in organizational leadership and development. And so that's what, I, that's what I got trained in. That's what I was doing. And then I fell in love with coaching and speaking. And now I was like, man, how do we get people to really start understanding that, that, that their money is in their message, that their money is in the ability to get out there and communicate? Not only, see, here's the thing, not only just your story, but also your team. So when you ask the question about effective leadership, that's actually one of the points. If you're looking at some of the five reasons, um, one of them is that it helps it helps prepare and develop a proper team management. It also helps in your leadership skills. It also helps for many of us. Maybe we weren't given that platform as children. Maybe maybe as adults we weren't given, or maybe you you thought your last employer should give you something that only you had access to. And that has stopped you from even talking and communicating and getting in front of people. And so, Byron, you know, it's so important, man. Like, I, I'm really passionate about this work, number one, because of my story. But number two, because I'm seeing so many amazing, gifted, called uh, people who are educated not get out there and share their story, not get out there and share their message. And so this challenge that we put together is going to help do that. It's going to help folks 
really take that next step. It's going to help them think about, you know, what, what do I need to do? How do I, you know, after, after going through so many things, how do I tell my story? How do I talk about some of the wins, the losses, the successes, the failures, um, and, and keeping things on point and having a call to action. So we're going to cover those things, man. We're going to, we're going to talk about defining your message. We're going to talk about developing an elite strategy. We're going to talk about what I call spaces, places, and faces. These are ways and things that I've developed and systems and strategies to help people take that next step, Byron. And so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the pain points. We're going to talk about, you know, how do you not just get on one stage, but how do you get on multiple stages? How do you get on multiple? Like, like your virtual platforms are important. Your visibility platforms are important. And again, Byron, you know, you follow me on social media. I don't just throw stuff out there. I spend time really contextualizing my message because I want it to be impactful. I want you know, that <laughs> that's my cutoff time, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I want to be able to help folks take that next step. And so we put a paid challenge together and we want to invite you to take that next step. Listen, we want you to monetize your message. We want you to take it to the next level. And that's what we put together a five day challenge called monetize your message. I love it. So if you haven't already, make sure you tap into the link. I see that Reggie came up. You know what I'm saying? Reggie, you had something you want to add? I honestly just wanted to ask a question to Benny because I feel like for me, um, I am a person who can impact people, but maybe I'm not so sure of what my message is. What would you say about going through and kind of trying to figure out what what your message is? Yeah. And uh, thank you so much for asking that question. I think your message is connected to your mission, right? I think like if someone were to walk by, see a billboard, read something of you, what's the message you want to share? Because I think oftentimes we tell a story, but have you ever heard a good story, but didn't understand what was the message? What was the point? That's oftentimes what's happening with folks. So what we do is we start to align what that actually looks like for you. It's about connecting the dots. It's about looking at your experiences. It's about looking at what for you is bringing purpose and passion and allowing you to live in your greatest potential, kind of bringing those elements together. Uh, I believe it's all about the right strategy. And it's not just about what happened to you. But as a result, remember, Denise Hamilton said this. She goes, people don't pay you to hear your story. They pay you so that you can transform their story. And so you got to know how to be able to take your story and make it transformational. Oftentimes we speak from the scar, we speak from the wound and not from the scar. And so oftentimes we're just talking about a lot of things, but in this challenge, we're going to help you dive into that. There's going to be an opportunity to also get VIP so that you can spend even more time after the challenge and you can bring those types of questions. We're going to go in and and my goal is to offer so much value during this challenge. Uh, This is my first challenge um, that I've ever done like this. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm learning a lot. I got my guy here. Uh, he's in the room who's helped me build out this system. Shout out to the Chris Signers because these guys are absolutely amazing. But I, I guarantee you I'm going to fail. But I'm a, guess what? I'm going to learn some stuff. We're going to figure this thing out. So, again, we're taking our message to the, to the to bigger platforms. And that's what we want to challenge you to do as well. You know what I love about this, Benny, is that, listen, a lot of us have a message. A lot of us have a story. Um, like what Benny said, it's not about it's, it's speaking from the scar and not the wound, right? Um, that is a that's a skill set. That's a skill set, um, and it that if you learn that skill set, 
just that simple skill set how to tell an effective story how to tell it from the scar and not the wound okay um it's it's a fun it's a roi in that it is a roi in being an effective storyteller right being able to effectively convey your message right being able to speak to people in a way that they can they can connect right um and at the same time you can get your agenda um you know push through um it's a skill set and as a leader you're going to have to gather that skill set it's it's nowhere around it ashley what, what do you think about that you know, let me just say this as well. How many people are sitting on ebooks, workshops, keynotes, presentations, seminars, coaching programs? When we talk about monetizing your message, I'm not just talking about taking stages. I need you to understand that. I need you to understand that your message is your delivery to the world. Some of you are sitting on your message instead of standing on it. You're sitting on it. And here's the thing we want to help you get beyond that. You see yourself speaking. You see yourself going bigger places. I love the fact I'm getting ready to speak on stage in a month from now with Tim Story. Do you know that happened last year because I I took a small offer? Do you know that I closed $80,000 from that offer? Do you know how that has opened so many doors for me because I decided to monetize my message? Because I decided, I'm telling you. I'm not. I'm not even faking this stuff. You can. You can check out all my stuff. You could. You. I got receipts for years on this stuff. But it wasn't until I understood the power behind my message that I could go ahead and deliver it with that much more force. And so we're creating eBooks. I got my eBook coming out. We're writing another book. We just put out a course. I mean, I want you to understand. And I. I, I own this of my message and my story. And now we're going to monetize it the right way. It's a beautiful thing. Ashley, what you think about that? What's your thoughts? I want to hear Ashley's thoughts. <laughs> you know what? I've had so many thoughts during this entire. I did. Well, first of all, shout out to happy birthday, Benny. Can we say happy birthday, Benny? He said, happy I was birthday, Benny. <laughs> Benny. Gotta give Benny. You know, I'm in alignment with Benny. I like Benny. Benny is a cool dude. Benny tapped in last week uh, to my partnership room with the Million Marathon on Confidence. He was all the way in the building. And uh, I said, you know, Benny, we are in alignment. <laughs> we, we have some synergy. We got to do something together for sure. Absolutely. We have to. We absolutely have to, Benny. There's some synergy and some energy there. And I Let's like the work Chicago. that Benny's doing. So stay tuned for that, Byron. That's one of my thoughts. Listen, you want to know another thought, Byron? Let's, let's hear another thought. Okay, some people are not going to like this. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> you started it off. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you started it off. <laughs> Tim, what we going to do with her, man? Tim, what we yeah. going to do with her, man? Yep. <laughs> you tell <Checking> me. Violence. <laughs> we don't miss her because Dr. Ashley is amazing. She is an entire vibe. That part. Thank you, beautiful. Thank you. Listen, Lori and them, they say I step on people's toes mm, <laughs> on ouch. purpose. Listen, one of the things that I believe is important if you're really trying to learn from failure, if you're really trying to improve and get better, if you're trying to enhance situations or increase productivity, sometimes you got to get out of your feelings. Mm. Mm. 
Ain't nobody because, ever gotten to those, huh? Right, because sometimes people are telling you what you're doing wrong or what you can do a better job in and you don't want to receive. Hmm. You want to say, oh, they're hating. Oh, they just don't like me. No, hmm. boo. They don't like what you did and or something that you did can be improved upon if you listen and but not listen it, defensively. You, you calling your breakthrough hater. You calling them a hater. You calling your level up a hater. You calling it a hater. And all I'm saying is, listen, some of you all know I sit on the university board of trustees. I'm the only woman of color for the past decade. I'm the youngest person for the past decade. And I brought something up during the meeting one day and someone took offense to it. And I said, listen, get out of your feelings right now. It's not about you. It's about the performance. Remove yourself from the constructive criticism and determine what can be done to improve for the future. Get out of your feelings. It's not about your feelings. You know what, Ashley? You know, to just to kind of co-sign what you're saying right now. You know, one thing I've realized about people is that um, nine times out of ten, even when people have problems with me, it has less to do with me. And more to do with what they got going on And It's very arrogant For me to believe that I am the center Of everybody else's problems and issues It's very arrogant A lot of times people be having Their own shit going on And it's a them thing Right and you just in the way You just You just you just being a, you're a reflection board to the already the, To the internal mess that they got going on In their own self Right. And so a lot of times, you know, listen, don't be so quick to miss your blessing. Right. By thinking, calling somebody a hater. Right. Or not, you know, taking that criticism or whatever you can learn from that particular situation to grow from it. Uh, so I, you I just, know what? Yeah. I, here's another thing that I'll say to that. Even if they are a hater. Right. Mm-hmm. Haters watch you closer than anyone else. That part. <laughs> So they gonna tell Facts. you that part. They gonna tell Big you facts. you can truly learn from your haters. Listen, Ti said it best. Okay, y'all know I love me some Ti. Motivation. Listen to your haters sometimes. Okay, I said someone wasn't gonna like what I had to say because you can get in your feelings, but get out your feelings. And if you really want to learn from failure, you have to get out of your feelings all the way around. I was holding that in, Byron. You was I wasn't holding it. I, can I was tell holding it in. It's busting out. <laughs> it's busting out. <laughs> you know, busting it with your chest, little nigga. Busting out. Listen, I was holding it in. <laughs> I was holding it in. Don't be disobedient, Ashley. Yeah, sometimes you 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 just got to interrupt the stage. I have, have, you know, Byron. Byron said, Ashley, what are your thoughts? He must have sensed. He felt it. He felt it. He felt that I was feeling something over here. And I needed to let that out. Thank you, Byron. Thank you. Because here's the thing, you guys. You know, I'm I'm really big on reading, you know, uh, if you go to like Google reviews or whatever and you read it, 
And sometimes it can hurt your feelings, and I'm not saying it doesn't. Sometimes, especially if you know you gave it your all. But you really have to put your feelings to to the side if you are committed to your own growth. Mm. And you are committed to becoming the best version, giving the best service, providing the best value that you can. You have to put your feelings to the side. And I'm not saying you can't cry, you can't feel. Absolutely, you should. But then you got to get to a place where now you're saying, okay, that's how I felt. That's how I responded. Now, let's put that to the side and see what can I learn from this? Because there is something, even if it's only one thing, there is something that this person said that was not necessarily designed to hurt me specifically. It may hurt, but not hurt me. But that I can take from that and say, you know what? I did not do that right. I could have done that better. You know, I have learned to improve upon my procedure as a result of that comment. And that's how you learn from failure. That's how you truly level up. That's how you get to what we refer to as the phenomenal next level. So those are my thoughts. I love the (laughs) thoughts. I'm glad you got those thoughts out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was holding on to keep your friends close and your haters closer. Ooh. Listen, haters can teach you a lot, right? They might be haters. This is true, but for some reason, haters have that close eye. <laughs> they look at extra carefully, and you can Ooh. really learn from your haters. That's what I'm saying. Sometimes they're not haters. Sometimes they're just honest. And sometimes they're just. Honest people don't like honesty all the time. I have learned we call Man. honesty haters too. We just mix them all in now, <laughs> mix them all in now. We just don't mm. like them. Let's put them all in the same pot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's brutal. I love y'all. Listen, when I say it, I mean it more than that. Make sure y'all keep tapping in. Today's conversation was a good one. Want to also let you know that tomorrow, our collaboration with the Phenomenal Women Leading Community uh, takes place tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. That's when we do our bi-weekly real estate room. So for all the real estate experts in the building, pull up. For those of you who want to learn about real estate, pull up. Make sure you tap into the uh, room tomorrow night. We have some B.O.B. superstars who usually tap into the building as well. So make sure you all join us tomorrow night. Hit the house at the top. Become a member of this club and check us out every Tuesday, every Wednesday, every Thursday morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on clubhouse happy birthday benny click that link at the top of the screen and check out the monetize your message five day challenge create the opportunities for speaking listen every single person in this room has a message and i say this all the time byron has a lot of followers I have a good number of followers. There's some other people on the stage that have a good number of followers as well. But guess what? Everybody doesn't want to hear from us. They want to hear from you too. You have a message that someone needs to hear. And if you need help developing that message, make sure you tap into opportunities like this one and other uh, opportunities and resources to teach you how to better craft and develop that message so others can be impacted by your story. All right. So tap into it. Don't forget to go to wherever you consume your podcast and check out the No Stingy Energy podcast. Subscribe and leave a five-star review. Have the most amazing day 
on purpose. Passing it back to you. Hey, Ashley, you got a question in the chat. Is um, the real estate room tomorrow night or Wednesday night? What's today? Today's Tuesday, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess that's the same thing. I read the question. Oh. <laughs> You're absolutely right. It's tomorrow. It's tomorrow night. It's Wednesday night. Thank you, Lori. And shout out to T.I. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I heard yes. That's, that's my job. Ashley, no Ashley doing it all while on vacation. From failure, we successfully learning from failure. Listen, this is one of the ones I'm gonna keep it real. This is one of the ones you want to rewind back. You want to rewind it back and listen to this over and over again. When this podcast hit Apple, or if you listen to it on Clubhouse or in the wealth community, make sure you rewind this one and go back and take notes. This was probably one of the most valuable. These are million dollar conversations. I can tell you that right now. Million dollar business conversations. Okay. And listen, I love to have the hundred thousand dollar conversations. I love to have the the 10 to 15, $20,000 conversations, but I can promise you today was a seven figure conversation, seven figure Possibly even eight figure conversation Okay Sometimes we gotta level it up like that Ashley Absolutely And you know I wanna repeat really quickly Because you all gave me Some book suggestions Thank y'all so much for doing that Here's some books that were suggested in today's conversation. Traction, Get a Grip on Your Business by Gina Wickman. Boundaries, When to Say Yes, How to Say No by Henry Cloud and John Townsend. Uncommon Leadership by Ben Newman. And Necessary Endings, The Employees, Business, and Relationships that All of Us uh, by Henry Cloud. So make sure you tap into the book suggestions. I know I already added it to my list of books to grab uh and if you have some books that you want to add to that drop it in the chat we're gonna listen to motivation for a second so if you can get it in the chat before we close go ahead and drop them in there now listen and ashley can you send me them books because i need them books uh, please, I'm over here dual tasking, but uh, I definitely need to add them other books that you know that I haven't read to my collection as well. Um, Absolutely, and listen, I want to I want to repeat this line really quickly. They can't make me suffer, just make me stronger tough, and make me tough 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 Make me, make me tougher. Man, y'all be blessed, man. 